Welcome to Pivotal Film. I am John Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And this is the, 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 not a numbered episode because we don't have those. Anymore. Well, we have a special guest here, not JP. JP, where is JP? He's along, around somewhere. He texted me the other day. Like, because he wants to do that music documentary. We got to do the music and licorice pizza with JP. Wow. It's Destiny. 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 Yeah. But because our big episode of the, the day is the. $58 billion earning Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> we have our resident Marvel expert. That's what you're, yeah, We're dropping it on you. We're dropping it on you. It's Jeff. That's a lot to live up to, but I, uh, I'll, I'll do my best. I mean, you'll, you'll know. I, what, are your, I, what are your credentials, Jeff? In terms of Marvel movies? In terms of your expertise. Where did you get your Marvel degree from? Uh... I have no answer Man for that. Beach University. <laughs> Trump, University Trump, of Georgia. Trump, yeah. Trump is where they would have got it from. That's no fair. <laughs> I mean, it's the only degree you probably could get there. All right, so I got beer. All right, because this beer. is our journey still in the Christmas. It's still in the Christmas, and it's the second elf-related thing I bought in the last 20 minutes. Like, before I came here, I bought two elf-related products. Were both of them beer? One of them was wrapping paper. And the other one... I think I know what this is. Oh, no, I do not know what this is. Santa! I know him! From Evil Genius Beer Company in Philly. Philly's close enough, yeah, right? That's, that's farm-the-table beer. Um, this is a ale brewed with rose hips, chamomile, and black currants. So it's like a tea? I don't know. Beer? But it's, I had questions. And it's a Santa beer. Yeah. Hopefully it's not like last week where uh, we got destroyed on 9% beers. I don't know what this. I don't you know, know what the ABV of this says. can't be high, right? It's seven point two, oh, which is actually high. fairly. It's up there. This is where we get into our beer talk, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. No, it's got a, it's got a real, dink, and it's got a real uh, East Brock. But it's got kind of a German. It does. Beer smell. That's kind of a wheat. That's very weedy. Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty weedy beer. I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> I don't mind it, but it's not my favorite. It's not really doing much for me. I'm not drinking this. <laughs> you said you have other stuff downstairs? Yeah, I have, I have super nuts right, downstairs. I'm going to pause real quick. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, uh, what, do you, what do we think of this? I can't taste anything but wheat. Well, you 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 paused the episode to go downstairs to get a different beer, right? Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I get a lot of wheat. I get a slight current. I can I can taste the rose in it, like it for sure. I didn't okay. realize that there okay, was. I'll dip in one more time. I don't I don't taste the rose. I taste the current and the can. I feel like all I get is the rose, honestly. It's not very good. Evil Genius has not been my favorite beer. I guess I get some... I guess I get some... What, what was the other one? Chamomile? Yeah. Chamomile. I guess it would have to be all I get is the wheat and like... Some kind of petally... It has that... Grassy taste. It, what not it grassy, has but... is that taste of like a homebrew where... That's... Yeah. It, you know, it just tastes like the malt. and Not the malt, the... um. What's, a, what's that stuff that they take out of the beer? The uh, You know what I'm talking about. The, the stuff that wart? the beer... See, yeah. It has like a very warty sort of mm. homebrew taste to it. It tastes like beer tea to me. 
Well, that's what well, we have. Athletic can... Brewing Company for beer tea. Yeah, but that's pleasant and fun. Yeah. This is not. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff has decreed, and which concurs with my original finding. Speaking about non-pleasant and or unpleasant and not fun. First movie we're talking today is the Amazon original film from our good old buddy Aaron Sorkin, who keeps knocking it out of the park for this podcast, <laughs> just making hit after hit after hit. It is being the Ricardos. Why is this coming out now? Lucille Ball's a threat to the American way of life? Does the FBI have any case against Lucy? I need you to help me save my marriage. How many times I gotta explain where I was and what I was doing? You gotta explain. Are you being funny right now? I'm Lucille Ball. When I'm being funny, you'll know it. This is getting out of hand. Madness. Have you been cheating on me? But the story's made up. If they boo me? If they boo you, we're done. Sorry, I got lost for a second. Being the Ricardos details a week in the life and production of an episode of I Love Lucy during the fallout of her being <laughs> accused of being a communist by some reporter. Walter Winchell. I don't know who the fuck that is. It's a reporter. Oh, okay, I didn't know if he was like an important reporter. Well, I mean, he is an important reporter, but he's... Um... I couldn't tell you why. Is he like the Bill O'Reilly of the 1950s? I don't think so. I thought he was actually pretty good. But, like, you know, for uh, the culture, for America, like he was... 1950s are a good, like, 30 years after I care about American history. Mm. Like, from the 1920s on, I just stopped caring. Yeah, I mean, and some of that stuff is dictated in this movie. It's not like Bowsley-Croffler, I don't care. We can talk about that stuff, too. Um, But it kind of deals with the span of the relationship between Lucille and Desi Arnaz and also the struggles going on with the production of the show how she's pregnant with her second child and she wants that pregnancy to be on the air while also dealing with the downfall of the communism not the downfall of communism wouldn't that have been an interesting story if the movie was about the downfall of communism if she somehow stopped communism Quentin Tarantino presents being the Ricardos <laughs> in Glorious Bastards too. um this movie, like all of Aaron Sorkin's directorial edit, Molly's game is okay, as I've said. All of Aaron Sorkin's directorial attempts just doesn't work. It is flaccid. It moves along in this molasses-like lethargic pace, and it's buoyed by nothing except no. a mediocre Nicole Kidman performance. Javier Bardem just trying to rely on some sort of weird charm. And J.K. Simmons kind of lazily doing good work because J.K. Simmons is capable of doing bad work. Right, but... he's good, but I'm not sure to what to what end. Like, I'm not sure what purpose he's serving except for like playing a character who has to be on the sh- in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And just once again proving that Aaron Sorkin does not know how to direct actors. Like Tony Hale is. A fine actor, but I think he's only really carried by like being told what to do, mm. 
And he just kind of looks lost throughout most of this movie. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? He's kind of like doing like a buster thing again. Yeah, well, parts. well, that's something we can, uh, if we want to transition, I think a lot of people are just kind of um, uh, playing under the boot heels of both Desi and Lucy. And like he's another, he's one of those characters who just, he like can't get out from underneath it. Um, and instead of getting better, it gets it gets worse for him um, to the point where, like, at the end of the movie, when like they're saying that the um, when they find out like the new they've waited all week to find out if a newspaper is going to carry this information, um, you know, uh, that this broadcast made at like the end of, of um, you know that night's news or something like that. So it was just kind of like washed over. And then finally, of course, in the climactic moment, they are a newspaper is going to carry it. and They're going to put it on the front page in four inch type in red ink. Um, and then and Tony Hale's character goes into the room with Lucy, and then Tony Hale's character just kind of, like, meekly with his arm, like, tucked over his, like, chest, just kind of, like, like slides out of the room, just like, oh, that poor, that poor guy. He doesn't even have anything to do. And then, like, there's no character or anything that he's been working on or he's been building off of to, like explain what his motivation's supposed to be in this moment. He's just there. And that's that's the problem that's throughout all of Aaron Sorkin's kind of directorial efforts is that he focuses in on one or two characters, gives them some sort of arc. You see this in Trial of Chicago 7, but then everyone else is just kind of there. They represent these kind of like weird archetypes mm. by which to stand up your leads. Yeah. And that's just not... But I think the problem with this movie, I mean, I fucking hate this movie, and I think the problem with this movie is the fact that the leads in this sense, in this case, are doing the same thing. Like, they're not... I don't even really know what they're supposed to be doing. Like, I don't get Lucy. I wish I did. I really want to like the... I would see a Lucille Ball movie. I find Lucille Ball, like, insanely interesting as, like, a a cultural icon. Um, But was she like this? Like, was she a, a comedy savant? Like, did she use comedy as a way to, like, battle, like, her demons at home? Because they show her doing it, but it's not really related to anything that she's ever done in the past. She's never been like that. She's not, like, a method actor, but they show her be acting very methody. Um, and to that point, like, Desi Arnaz is supposed to be this entertainment genius, and he's just kind of shown, you know... Making interesting media decisions and Being saying, cool. Lucy, I'm home. And yeah, and like in Desiree, and uh, yeah, continue. Because and, I, and big issue, I think, is like with people praising Nicole Kidman's performance, is like there's really no. Who's praising Nicole Kidman's performance? I mean, people have been. It's up there in the talks for the Academy. Um, but the, I think the biggest issue with it is like there's a vocal performance, but there's no. Nothing in the body, nothing in no. the face that's act, nothing that's carrying any sort of weight or trouble. I don't get a sense that she's actually troubled by anything going on that week. It's kind of just all falling and flowing off of her. She walks like Nicole Kidman and, through every scene. Yeah, and and like compare it to another mediocre, to bad, Aaron Sorkin film in *Trial of the Chicago 7. The person and an actor we typically hate, Eddie Redmayne. Mm. Like he at least is trying to he's trying to do something there. Like right. we loved him in that because he's actually carrying the weight of what's going on. And yeah, he's trying to get to the, the he's trying to get to the uh, essence of the character that Aaron Sorkin has wrote for him, and I'm not sure that Aaron Sorkin really wrote any characters. I don't think there's any characters on the page here. I think he was just hoping that they would play Lucy and Desi, and we would all just be like, "Yeah, fine, it's great." I, I mean, I, I don't really know. It was 
it was an endless. I mean, this is this is a movie. Every movie now is like two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, that, I mean, and this is a long movie podcast. And I saw another movie this week. Um, that just the, the and they seem to last forever. I mean, all four but, movies we had in the discussion for this week. You know, this this is the shortest. Nightmare Alley. Spider-Man, No Way Home. You saw West Side Story. Yeah. I didn't get to it. Because, once again, all these movies released in theaters were all two and a half hours long. Yeah, but this one felt the longest. Oh, yeah. Even my wife Literally. said when it was over, she's like, that movie felt like it was on all night. And I was like, it also felt to me like it was on all night. We would suggest you don't you don't watch this movie, Jeff. Okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the, the most you know that I know about this film is... Uh, my girlfriend and I watched a movie or, or like a, a CBS Sunday morning segment on it and they mm. were like oh look at that and, and they were like oh you know Nicole Kidman looks and acts and is bringing the comedy of of Lucille Ball to life and I was just like alright cool and like not, I mean, the the segment did its job and made me interested. Mm. Hearing this conversation makes me go, I, I'll bet. That's and why also, we're here. I'm, I'm curious, who's this movie made for? Because almost all the people that remember Lucille Ball from this era are fucking dead. Well, so that's a, it's, that's really interesting. It's and it was a COVID movie also. Like they made it during yeah. COVID, right? I would I would have to assume. I that. assume I think it was a 2020 movie, and maybe they yeah. Production started in. Actually, production started in March. Perfect. Great. You could tell a little bit. There are some scenes where it seems like there should be more things happening. Like that, um... Is it in Desi's restaurant? Where they start with, like, a... They start with, like, a, a, a medium shot of, like, the dance floor. Mm. But there's very specific lines where, like, there's no... There's very specific areas where there's no people. And even though everyone's dancing, it doesn't seem like there's enough people in this club to kind of generate the the energy that it, the the scene seems to warrant. Um, so I think there it's another movie I think that had to that had to compromise some things. Um, but it just feels so it just feels dead. And I wonder if that's going to be and so to that to that point, who is this for? I don't think it's for anybody. I think it's for Amazon. It's literally for to to feed Prime. And just have like more content that they could put on like their thing. Be like, look at this. Hopefully, it gets an Oscar nomination, so they could put Oscar nominated there. And they could have like a, you know, um, one of those scroll scroll through things with like Oscar nominated movies. And there it is. It's right there. That's they it. They can force like Darius Martyr to make another movie really quick. How is that doing? This is different. Like Darius Martyr, you make another movie. You sound the middle did really well. It was actually good. You can do this again. That actually won Oscars. Yeah, but that's he's not Aaron Sorkin. There's just selling Aaron. They're selling three people. They're selling Aaron Sorkin. They're selling, you know, Nicole Kidman, um, who is in everything and who's just kind of okay in everything. And um, a prom. I like Aaron prom. Right, but she was the one. She and I suppose that's the one thing about this movie is that I don't. Think she's not going for it. She always seems to be going for it. It just doesn't always work. You know what I mean? Yeah. In Nine Perfect Strangers, in Big Little Lies, in that she's in weird... I didn't see Brave New World, but she's in that, right? I didn't see Brave New World. No, I'm gonna, we don't have to mention that's it. That's the one with Tom Cruise, right? What? No, there's a TV show that they made oh. Brave New. Is it out yet? I think I thought so. Is it? I no, know. I think it came out in like. Who is it? Which streaming server? I don't care. Who cares? Yeah. 
But she's only okay. I want to say it was like, I don't, it's not Apple Plus. She's but. going, oh, Apple Plus was Foundation. Oh, she wasn't in Foundation. What's the movie with her and Tom Cruise? Where they're coming from Ireland. Days of Thunder? Oh, oh Far and Away. Far and Away. Far and away. Okay. No, this, this is recent. Uh, it's a Peacock show. Oh, Brave New World? Yeah. Anything already came out? I guess so. Right? The Brave New World show? Was it Peacock? This uh, is why we're the best in the game. We are going to we're tell no you about, TV shows. about podcast. <laughs> about this Peacock yeah, show. Yeah, it, it was a Peacock show that got canceled after one season. And she was in it? Maybe she wasn't. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> she might have been in it. I don't think so. She might have just shown up. The cast. She would have been shown in the cast. I was. I must have been thinking of something else. Was there was a. There was a Brave New World show. They had Demi Moore. Maybe I just got what? those two mixed up. Who knows? What's happening to the media? I don't watch TV Mario. shows. No, I, but this is why we don't watch TV shows because stuff comes up and you're just like, wait, what? Why? Who would? Why would you do that? It's like and a, it's like Aaron Sorkin directed movies. Why would you do that? He's got to lose like. He's got to eventually lose his prestige if he just keeps pumping this out. Because even like Trial of Chicago 7, when it came out, like he got some praise for it. He but got a lot of Oscar, that movie got a lot of Oscar nominations. Got, what, six nominations? That's pretty anything. good. But I think there's going to be this... But like Molly's Game didn't do shit. Now, we always hope for these. We hope for the world to right itself culturally, and it never does, Mario. He's going to get another movie. It's true. It's going, to get, it's going to be a big movie. It's going to be like... He'll make, like, the January 6th movie. Like, he'll oh do... Oh, my God. Somehow, he'll do that. No, Paul Greengrass has to do that. Oh, I thought Oliver Stone had to do it. No, Doesn't Oliver Stone... Oliver Stone, Stone, no, Oliver, Stone Oliver Stone will make a version of that. And Paul Greengrass. He'll be, like, United mm. 93 oh, yeah. and World Trade Center. Because those are the same movie. Basically. <laughs> Both of them, I think, have a Jesus Christ floating down to Nicolas Cage scene, right? Or did I just imagine that during my watching of United 93? I think you just kind of kept hoping that would happen. I'm not a big fan of that movie. United 93? Yeah. I get it. I get what they were trying to do, but he did the same thing with that July 22nd movie, right? Oh, right, right? that movie, yeah. Which was like, you know... Better. Accurate, I guess, but it was also still just kind of like, one, I don't want to watch this, and two, it's like a procedural about, like... Awful things, and right. like presented raw. And I don't want to get I just that don't deep. Want to watch yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was never going to be entertaining. I do want to see Jesus coming down to Nicolas Cage while he's stuck in rubble. Of course. Yeah, Always. so let's have Oliver Stone do it. Well, that's how Pig could have been a better movie. If he was cooking for Jesus at the end. <laughs> Instead of Alan Arkin. Or Adam Arkin. You know who might like a pig, Tom? Oh, man. Is a geek. A geek might like a pig. <laughs> you know, just biting into that pig. I mean, there's one in formaldehyde, right? Oh, there's lots yeah. of formaldehyde. There's lots of formaldehyde. Yeah, lots of things. In well, there's specifically a pig. There was, there was a pig. I completely forgot about the pig being in formaldehyde. You had to turn it around. Turn it around. <laughs> well, you see, you see the baby. You see a. Uh, We're still talking about the Lucille Ball movie. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Um, <laughs> but we were talking about Guillermo del Toro's follow-up to his uh, best director, best picture-winning *Shape of Water*, *Nightmare Alley*. ask you simple questions you will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth absolute truth I can do that 
Now, brief as you can, what is your name? Stanton Carlisle. Are you a true medium? Yes, I am. Mr. Carlisle? Doctor, how about that? Please lay down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune! It's time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. If you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. I just did being the Ricardo. You gotta warn me. Um, Stan Carlisle, um, played by Bradley Bradley Coops. Did you really just? Did you forget who played the lead actor? No, because I was like, I'm like searching through my cast. Oh, got it. Yeah, he uh, is involved in some stuff early in the movie, and uh, eventually finds his way to this carnival sideshow. Operated by Clem, with just like a terrific Willem Dafoe, who I'm pretty sure does operate a sideshow. Like, some state, he's somewhere. Oh, for sure. Like, he just comes in and out, and he checks in on things, and if he needs to hire a new geek, he does it. You know, it's going to be weird the day Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe delivers like a disappointing performance. I don't think it's going to happen. Because yeah. even in that stupid Northman movie, which... I'm, I'm, actually, just, I'm I, actually excited. Are this. you? Why? Because it looks stupid, and Robert Eggers will probably just go oh, it looks... onto the deep end of um, a Nicholas Winding Refn hard R violence. And apparently it's really graphic. And you know Good. me and gore. Yeah, and I'm excited for that too. I just didn't think he'd make something so dumb. Like, I thought after, like, The Witch and um, The Lighthouse, he would stay interesting. But it's like, no, it's just Hamlet with Alexander Skarsgård. Who I'm sure is going to say something super racist and punch a woman. Because that's what he does in everything he's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and then be like, you know, we don't even have any. We don't even have any black people here. He's like, I don't like him. And I hit my wife. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, Clem. Willem Dafoe. Um, when he's there, he meets um, some uh, interesting people. Uh, Ron Perlman's there. Glenn Bruno. You doing Ron Perlman things, showing people his fists. Happen to be in a Guillermo del Toro film. He just has to. Um, he wasn't in Shape of Water, was no. He wasn't in Shape of Water. If he was, he had such a minor part. But I think he tried to get the Michael Shannon part. That movie would have been better if Ron Perlman was there. Um, Clifton Collins Jr. running the Fun House uh, shows up here. Um, you know, I guess the people that matter the most out of all of those people are Pete. And Xena, played by David Strathairn and Tony Collette, they do a men- they do a mentalist gig, and Rooney Mara's um, Molly, she's like an electrified lady, and uh, Stan, 
He thinks he's found his people. He thinks he's found his calling in being a mentalist. And he falls in love with Molly. And they uh, run away together after he does something to Pete. And he steals his... She steals a secret book with all the secrets of mentalism in there. Um, he doesn't steal it. He gets given it. No, he kills well, it. He, he stole it, it first. And then, well, and then he, he looks... asked if he could keep it. Yeah. But well, no, he... Because... Uh, he kind of yeah. killed that guy to take yeah. the book. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Is that spoilers? Am I, what are we, are we doing? Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't care. It, spoilers okay. are always. You know fun. what I should do is put this. I don't. I won't do the intro song. I'll just play the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't. I don't. I don't know about you guys. I'm not sure. I want to tiptoe around our next movie? Oh, you yeah. might want to just go oh, right in. Yeah, no, yeah. it'd be a lot easier. Too. So we'll just we'll just we'll we'll save the intro music for the end, and we'll just open it with spoiler alert. We're spoiling shit today. Um, and him and Molly uh, run away, and he ends up being like a fancy mentalist in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Buffalo. Yeah, be Buffalo. And he gets propositioned by a psych by a by a psychiatrist who psychologist psychologist who wants her to work with her client who um, is grieving for the death of his son. Um, and this kind of takes the the Stan mentalism show into into scary. Uh, just don't do the spook act. Just don't do the spook act. He does a spook act, and then um, things go bad. things go wrong. And you know, we could talk about. I want to talk about Del Toro um, body horror predilections, like things that he loves doing, and like why, and um, like who collapses the face better. It's a, um, it's a Cronen, yeah. It's like he's got this weird Cronenberg kind of obsession now, where he has to do, like the, I mean, what do you think of like that kind of like the weird moments of the graphic violence? I thought that kind of didn't fit. I think to, well, I don't, I, are we assuming we're done with the the description here? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, so, so that's what happens. I guess. The, well, no, because that's not all that happens, right? No, but that's by, what happens. I mean, that's the gist of the movie. But, yeah, but I by know. the end of the movie, he ends up becoming a geek. Oh yeah. Right, so, I, so, so to me, I'm sitting there. I'm like, "What the fuck is this movie about?" And I don't really understand the like. You know, there's some symbolism with the babies in the jars and the blonde chick with the you know and but to see how, the I don't, chest scar, the chest scar, right? And it's at least it seems like they're implying like that guy who the guy he, he ultimately cons is somehow responsible for that. He's, I, that's, I absolutely got the, that Ezra Grindle did it. But her. like, I, Richard I Jenkins, know. Ezra Grindle. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the point of everyone's actions in here were, except for the blonde who, the Kate Blanchett, who, um, obviously made out with all the money. Right. Right. Um, but to say like, Oh, this, you know, there, there's this theme here and everyone's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I need flashy colors to to to, to like make that apparent to me because I could do that with Marvel really easily. Uh huh. Um, but to watch this movie, I walk out. I'm like, I don't. What the hell was that? So I think yeah. I think it's just it's doing kind of a noir things and it's just kind of doing that kind of damn look. Seems like a damsel in distress, but really she's like a femme fatale sort of thing. So with it being you know a remake of a '47 noir film and it being ultimately a you know, an adaptation of a 1930s book, right? Yeah, I thought it was 42. 46, actually. So 46, the book came out, and then 47, the film's made. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, I, I don't think there's a lot of, for me personally, there's not a lot of deep themes here. It's just guy down in his luck sort of thing, rises up, crashes down, your typical kind of base tragedy story. 
It's not really it's tragedy, a, though. I, I mean, no, it's a it is by by regular drama definition, yeah, yeah, a yeah, tragic yeah. arc. Um, collapses by his own hubris and pride, sort of mm. thing. I don't think there's many deep themes here, personally. Um, okay, I, I guess that's fine. I guess the. It's just weird to have him like kind of look out for the original geek, kind of go off on his own thing and be like, you know, just because he, you know, he denies drinking the whole time and then suddenly starts drinking when he's with the psychologist, mm -hmm. right? And then by the end of the movie, he gets, you know, duped by the the new geek guy. To right? Blake Nelson? And he turns into Hugh Jackman. <laughs> what I find, what I, what actually, and this is, I'm going to get into the review point. I, outside of the ending, mm -hmm. like, I really enjoyed this. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not a big, I don't know if we've said in this podcast how much I'm not a big Shape of Water guy. I um, hate the Shape of Water. Yeah, I dislike it. I think this is, this brings itself in a lot more. <laughs> um, but the thing that works really well for me here is... And, and one thing that's kind of spoiled by the ending, and I'll get into that in a second, um, is there's a lot of good blocking in moments here. There it is. Um, there is. Like, so early on, not early on, but when Kate Blanchett and Bradley Cooper are talking to each other, and he's, they're kind of doing the read, and he has the domination of the moment, mm -hmm. he is higher than her sure. by about a nose length. Later on, when it kind of twists to her at the desk, um, she is, he's at nose height with her. Mm -hmm. And... The thing that bothers me is I thought, like, Del Toro smartly did the geek routine with Bradley Cooper when Kate Blanchett's doing it to him. She takes the sip of the whiskey, she kisses him, he gets the taste of whiskey, and that's when he decides to take the drink. Right. She's kind of, like, lured him in. Mm -hmm. It's undone by the fact that I want that movie to end when he's putting the blanket over him. Like, then showing him becoming a geek afterwards... Like actually falling into the geek routine, I was like, yeah, it felt like too much handholding for me. But I sat there in a crowd of 70, 60 year old people. 70? Like 67, I don't know, man. When wow. you get past 55, I think you're all the same age. No, no, um, I mean, how many people? It was like, I was one of the youngest people there, but it was like, 20 people in the theater? Oh, wow. Which is shocking, because this movie made yeah. like $3, I think, this weekend. I, saw, um, I, I just got out of the theater to watch this, and there were three other people. There was, and my girlfriend. And, there was two <laughs> other people with me. To, I went today in Waterbury at 11.15. Because of the Apple Cinemas in Waterbury, which is behind a Staples and a Stop and Shop, <laughs> um, they do $4.95 Tuesdays. There you go. Yeah, it was nice. That's a, that's I didn't know. Idea. I didn't know that that was the case. When I saw this, it was. Uh, I ended up because I have the movie club with Cinemark right now. It's like five bucks, and I was very excited about nice. that. But yeah, no, there was like fifteen people in there, okay. and outside of like three of them, all of them were sixties and up, mm -hmm. and they like suddenly went, "Oh, he got he like got turned into a geek," and blah, blah, like they're murmuring to each other, and like, "Oh, maybe." Maybe Are you talking this... about at the end? Yeah, or... at the very at the very See, end. Like, I think if they weren't sure. If anything, you just blew my mind because I didn't even put together that like Kate Blanchett geeked him first. Yeah, and he totally thought that he was in control there for that whole time, and and you know, did not realize what was really going on. Yeah, and I think for me, so in the, I think it's the hand holding. Your hand holding comment is really good, and I think. But like, am I right? Like maybe I just. Like we've talked about, maybe we've seen too many movies that we're now just like, oh, yeah, subtext, and we need this. Mario, 
And this is obviously a movie that's made for like a, a mainstream sixty-year-old. <laughs> yeah, it's. I found I had a very weird experience in this movie. I found that I was. I, I sat through the whole thing and I thought it looked really nice, and I kept getting like, um, sensations of other stuff. Like I, you know, there was a lot of. I was thinking of revival a lot when I was watching this, especially with, with Stephen the, King with, novel. The Stephen King novel, um, and obviously it didn't crib from anything. It's just you know, electricity and, and, and carnival things and all that stuff. Um, I suppose it was inevitable. Um, I got a lot of something wicked this way comes mm, uh, mm. from the visual aesthetic, not not the story right. itself because I never read it, but the film. Right. Um, um, and from a visual perspective, like some of the scenes where we see like in the forties, I kind of felt like. They had this weird remembrance to it that reminded me of eleven twenty two sixty three when it goes back for like that short time mm-hmm. with the soda and everything. Mm. Um, yeah, there's definitely there's there's it's it's not, which is maybe part of the problem is that it's not doing anything particularly new, and it's especially not doing anything really super new for him. And so I felt literally nothing this whole movie and I'm back to not liking Bradley Cooper and when I see Licorice Pizza I might be back on Bradley Cooper as like a, <laughs> a thing um, but I think it was just I was rooting for anybody else besides Rami Malek to win an Oscar and so I decided to convince myself that Bradley Cooper was a good enough actor that I could be you know relatively satisfied when he beat um, Freddie Mercury out well, for, for that Academy Award I do I do love that the the Basically, the opinion now is that Rami Malek didn't deserve that Oscar. Yeah. Oh, he's just terrible. But yes, I, I do like that the culture seemed to be like, oh, we missed that one. <laughs> like, not even just not even just like Oscar people, but just like even like normal people that even in the that in the moment were probably just like, oh, cool, I saw that movie. Now they're just like, wait, what? He did? <laughs> um, I felt nothing, and. I found the symbolism really easy. Um, I didn't, like, some of the blocking stuff, I, I think you're right, is really, is fascinating. Like, I, it's almost, and I don't know if this is his fault or this is his cinematographer's fault, or, like, the way they, they he, the, the cinematographer uses light. He's, a, he's traditionally, like, a, I forget his name. Dan Laston. Yeah, he's, like, a one-source guy. Um, so there's, there's, um, like a Kubrickian deep focus sometimes on things. And so there's at one point... Dan Aston did Shape of Water. Which, The thing is, he's done, like, Crimson Peak and then a John Wick, the John Wick sequels. Which (laughs) are all excellent. All excellent movies there. Um, I actually don't mind the John Wick movies. Um, but, like, there's a moment when, like, um, they're talking. They're doing that, like... Tete a tete about of just like trying to figure out like what they're gonna do and 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 like who's gonna give what to who about stuff and they keep like their faces are always like really close to each other and like Bradley Cooper is okay I guess he's like always looking at her lips and then like he does that thing where he kind of like corners her to that curvy couch thing that she has and she does this great thing where she like leans back but she catches herself with her arm and one of this movie's flaws I think is that this these scenes just go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and he really wants you to see stuff so he wants us to see her catch herself like she's not going over for this guy like it's in these little clues that we understand that she's pulling all the strings and he clearly doesn't understand that he's pulling all the strings which I think is another flaw of the movie which is that like he's an idiot and he doesn't understand anything that's happening, although he thinks he understands everything. This movie tries to balance that, like, 
noir with romance thing, and I don't think it, it really nails it. Um, I think the Richard Jenkins character is really is fascinating. That's when the movie briefly came alive for me when I was like, this guy's fucked up. And then I kept wanting to see how fucked up he was. Is, is that, that's the Grinto, the, the, the guy mentalist that, guy that's teaching no, with that's, the book. No, that's no, the guy uh, that um, the billionaire, like the, yeah, that he wants oh, that wants okay, his sure, wife sure. to be gotcha. you know materialized. Yeah. Yeah. And I kept waiting to see like how like how far is this gonna go? Like this is what I'm this is what I'm here to see is like um, Guillermo del Toro like take the gloves off this movie and like fuck up Bradley Cooper and or fuck up Rudy Mara or something especially after he's like I've done horrible things to women I want to see him do something horrible to a woman and it was nice because Rich, so Richard Jenkins is typically presented as an actor who you know had some flaws but like flaws in the sense of like in the characters he plays but is ultimately kind of a well, warm guy like did you ever see Shape of well, Water that guy was terrible though what do you mean what, right the, so he's no, like, no, 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 his normal character like with the yeah. characters that normally so plays. do you ever see Shape of Water no um but yeah, he's usually kind of this actor who's who's that style. But it is he is presented like in this new way, which I yeah. found nice. And he's the one guy that's swearing. You know what I mean? Like it, well, he's well, Defoe. Well, yeah. Defoe, but like you did, that just doesn't sound like a swear. That just sounds like Defoe. Just kind of like that's he's reading scripture or something. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like it, and but it never materializes. And so like the payoff, I guess you know that he becomes a geek was obvious because. The movie, he just like they would not talk about the geek, and then he'd be like, "How do you get a geek?" And he'd be like, "I'm gonna tell you how to get a geek." And that was like a great scene when he was talking about the geek. But then all of a sudden, there'd be like no geek, and then it'd be like geek. Why? Does, and so it's clear so, that something's so, gonna okay, happen okay, by the but, end of the movie where he becomes. But I guess why, why are you spending all this time on those scenes where he's with his dad, though? Yeah, but that's so that's and that's my whole thing. Right, is like that, you start the movie there, so you're like, oh, this must. Matter, right? <laughs> and then it's just kind of like I, I, I hate that. And then guy. because David Strathairn at the beginning of the movie is like, oh, every guy has daddy issues, and you're just like, well, and this guy is apparently just like every other guy. He's not special at all. He's just another well, loser with daddy. Issues. The ultimate issue with the dad is is the fact that that is the mark the, with you know Bradley Cooper being a mark. Kate Blanchett's able to read kind of in that because I you don't even know if she. Probably doesn't even have mommy issues, but he he mentions that during the mentalist scene, the scene where he's talking about the gun, right? And he mentions the mother issues with her being a psychologist. I kind of took that as like her going like, "Oh, he probably has father issues," and I, I kind of think all that is there to yeah corner to them. Kate Blanchett's in to make him a mark, I think, but I think so. So then the framing is just supposed to be like this guy's an idiot. He might think he knows what he is, but he's just like everybody else who. Who he's been conning this one. And Oki with straight teeth, which is a line right. I love. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting. I think this movie is interesting in in in, um, in two senses. One is that idea of the mark is that he's tra- they've transferred um, the drama from like the carny circuit to this very upper class, you know, whatever. Um, and to that end, there's the there's a great kind of um, framing device that he does where it goes from these carny houses to. Um, the, ho- the this hotel, um, or to the to the other guy's house, um, to meet his to Mary Steenburgen, who steals this movie, um, in the two scenes Mary Steenburgen is in. Um, those scenes are great. The judge and his wife. Is... The, oh God, yeah, the uh, brutal. Fantastic. <laughs> and then to the um, to the like that that house. The second she says, "I've been thinking about it," and I was just like, "Oh, I know it's coming." She was, she was so good. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, she I, seems so happy. That, that actress is familiar to me. I don't know why. She's um, what she's in. But she's I, Ted Danson's wife, but she's in a lot of films. A lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, she, she was the mother in Elf. In Elf, uh, but she, also okay. the mother in Step Brothers with yep. Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. She was married to Richard Jenkins. Did you wait? Did you see Step Brothers? No. Oh. <laughs> I saw Elf though, so that's probably yeah. where, I, where I recognize her face from. So there, he keeps going. Step Brothers is great. Yeah, Step Brothers is very good. So he keeps. So he goes. Oh, so he's like it's like the carnival houses, and then there's like the office building where Kate Blanchett has her office, and then there's that like weird gothic triangular, very German expressionism mansion that or corporate office or whatever that the the Ezra. What's his name? Ezra I keep wanting to say Ezra Miller. Yeah, Ezra. I mean they both have problems with women. Um, <laughs> so there's, but like, so I, I, am just, I'm, so I didn't, I don't, hate, I don't hate it because it's too well made to hate. I just was bored, and that's the other thing. I came out of the the theater with like super bedhead because like the Apple Cinema has these really high back chairs, and I was like, like super lounging in my chair because I was so bored in this movie. I just like. I just wanted to do something else. And my thinking the whole time is that this was probably a great... And that's what made me want to read the novel. This seems like a great novel. It has a novelistic ending. All these little things um, are very very novelistic. Like the plot turns, the character turns. You could write about these settings and stuff like really nicely. But in film, or the way that Guillermo del Toro has filmed this, it's all so ham-fisted and slow and... Just like you just saw them do, like very the very beginning of the movie, you just saw Zena do this whole big mentalist act, and then they go back to their house, and then they do another mentalist act, and you're just like, okay, I get it. Find a way to combine. There, we're rewriting the movie. Yeah. Find a way to combine <laughs> these things into like one thing because it, this the pacing of this movie is just so slow, and that if it was just the noir part, I'd be fine, but it's it's. It's the whole thing. You get all these extra Yeah, I feel parts. like if you cut out like a half hour somewhere, like try to, like you said, condense scenes or, or something like that, I'd be a lot happier with it. It's like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's exactly yeah, two and a half hours. But, but you, you're, I'm, I, I agree. I was sitting there like, okay, like, I don't really know if anyone's learning a lesson here. All of this is, you know, not making any sense to me outside of it just seems like... You know, all right, the blonde got all the money, and I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I didn't feel anything besides confusion and just being like, I don't know what the fuck I just watched. But <laughs> See, what's interesting is I don't agree. Like, I, I yeah. had a fun ass time, and it didn't, I was like, saw the runtime, and I was like, this is going to be a torturous experience. But I had fun with it because it felt like a popcorn to war. It felt like a, a, Experiment in Terror, the Blake Edwards noir with uh, Glenn Ford. Don't know if you've ever seen that. Mm. But kind of like your lower noirs from like your like 50s when noir became famous. Mm-hmm. Like Double Indemnity had set the stage and, you know, the Germans had set the stage and Fritz Lang. And it, it felt like you know the beats that are – like for people like – like for people who watch all too many movies, mm-hmm. you kind of feel the beats that are coming. But it, it felt as though it was so visually stimulating kind of a modern sense and everyone's doing the work that needs to be done mm. um, that like I – it blew through for me. Oh, wow. Like I just mm. – and uh, 
I'm also the weirdo who fucking is obsessed with noir films. Like, how many noir movies are on my list? Right. Um, so I was shocked at how, how much this worked for me. Like, what, what did you think? Over, like, you said it should be shortened, but, like, had somebody who's not really into these types of movies and was kind of coming yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say I enjoyed the movie. Like, I, but to say, like, oh, I, I, I'll put it this way, right? So we were walking in. We're walking by all the Spider-Man, you know, the twenty theaters, the all the, <laughs> and and my girlfriend goes, oh, I would definitely go watch that again. I, you know, this did not invoke that sort of feeling. I mean, I'm like, all right, I guess I saw that movie, and but to say like, <laughs> oh, I feel like I, you know, if anything, I walk out, I'm like, wow, humans really suck to each other, and, and that's and yeah. that, and, well, that's definitely and, the noir. That, that's a movie that so shows that. So you said. <laughs> You said you, you but you, you're saying, like, I know where you would like it shortened and all that, but, like, where were moments that you felt it was too verbose, too large, too long? I don't know if I'm movie smart enough to say to... Was there a part where you went, like, I'm bored? Like, when, when was that moment? When was that moment? Um... Almost like right when when the dude was getting fed up with like why aren't you showing me my wife, right? Like somewhere right around there where you're just like that. you know we're you know all right yeah and and there and he's like oh I got I guess I gotta fucking do this now I think right around that point is when I'm just like all right yeah and I I kind of agree with this guy I, right? I I I'd actually I'd actually agree with that I think the thing I liked about it was like that Jenkins like fucking anger there really like sold me but I think I do agree that that. But leading into that kind of like twist into that third act, there it does kind of get a little bit bloated. Well, it's just because it's just scene after it's we keep visiting the same place, and then even the scenes that are meant to break up that monotony, like the carnies coming back and hanging yeah, in the hotel, yeah, kind of you're just kind of like nothing is happening. Bradley Cooper for some reason isn't saying anything. Like, and I'm not sure what I want him to say, but he's just kind of like staring at them, and then they turn the cards over, and he's like, "What well, turned it around?" See, I turned yeah. it around. That's I all did, he says. It's like a five-minute scene where like nothing he, happens. He, Bradley Cooper. I will say this: I'm typically not a Bradley Cooper guy. I liked them a lot. I liked all the performances in this. Um, I was a little, I was a little upset about Stephen McCaddy just playing hobo number one. Who does that? to Stephen McCaddy. Well, he's a guy that was just like, hey, you gotta. Yeah. Moochin'. But I saw that. I was like, Stephen McCaddy. Why are you really? Yeah, Stephen McCaddy this? is like made to be in this movie. Yeah. But um, I, I think I was just so in tune with everything going on. And that first act for me, like everywhere until they leave the carnival, works for me like on all levels, yeah. visually. Yeah. yeah, the carnival is all good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed all the carnival bits. And like visually, it's... Um, did you ever see like Pan's Labyrinth from Del Toro and all Yeah. Or like Hellboy? I saw Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Like, it has that visual style of Del Toro, which is, like, fantastical, but still controlled. Like, it still felt very real, which yeah. the Shape of Water didn't. Yeah. And it feels real throughout. So, like, I, maybe it earned so much goodwill from me, from, like, that really solid first act. When everyone's, you know, hitting at all levels, you get a return to David Serferin, who we haven't seen in a while. You get the continued, like, goodness of Tony Collette. Now she's on this, like, tear. She's okay. Yeah. But, like, Good. Like, everyone's yeah, yeah. good to, like, really solid. Um, that, like, I was just, I was kind of in tune with it. And I do wish that, like, we had cut off earlier. And I do wish that, like, that 
that end of second act was tighter. But I think for me, that first act is so tight, so well done, so kind of like not a, a Del Toro kind of making like a popcornish movie with the little prestige aspect to it, but not going so overwhelming mm-hmm. that um, I just still ended up having a really good time with it. Yeah, I mean, I think I see, and that's the thing. I, I would disagree about some of this. I think it's. I think he has gone overwhelming prestige, and I wish he would find a way to. Um, split the difference between what he used to do really well and this new turn he's made with the Crimson Peaks uh, Shape of Water Nightmare Alley thing that he's doing which is these really stately um, period dramas um, with like a little bit of fantastical elements in them and but like, like sticking to like I don't know there's something about he's relying too much on emotion, and I don't think he's really very good at emotion. And attempting too much like weird visual subtext. There's a moment after um, Bradley Cooper has killed um, Jenkins and um, Holt McCallie. Is that yeah? Yeah. Um, where he stops the car in the back alley, and you see ribbon really prominent uh-huh. to like go with the moment of white ribbon. Oh. Like, wouldn't have that. This is his moment he could have that turn. Yeah. But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. There's those moments where, like, just, it's obviously not prominent, but it's there. And I, the people that are going to see it or find that are, like, kind of like, that's a little too much. I think the other thing that I'm sitting here thinking about, too, is I, 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 re- I remember having the thought of, like, all right, when are they going to do the here's what was really happening the whole fucking time. Yes. And, and you know, oh, you're going to be like, oh, you know, there was, you know, I don't know, some sort of like, you know, something Lupin kind of thing where you're like, oh, he actually slipped the necklace in the garbage can and was like, went back. You know, like, and... and like Lupin the Third? No, like the ne- uh, Netflix show? Yeah, the, oh, okay. the Thief... Um, thief, the yeah. Thief Lupin. Uh, it's based, a French based, show. Based on anime but, called Lupin the Third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, but... I was expecting for that sort of scene to happen and for it to just be like, I don't know, here, you, I, you know, I actually kept all the money and fuck you, you know, try to, I don't, I don't know if she was actually trying to kill him or just like trying to get him to, you know, disarm him or whatever. And then he's going to run through that and get on a train. And I'm just like, I don't know. That that part felt unsatisfying to me. Well, especially because like when he gets off, when he because there's just weird things. And I think that Del Toro thought it was like a good idea to have him hide behind the chickens, right? And you're just like, well, that you know, obviously there's a a narrative and um, context, uh, a subtextual continuity there to like him hiding behind the crates of chickens. But in the moment, you're just kind of like the thing that I kept thinking of was like, again, and this is. A joke. Mario talked about how we watched too many movies. I kept thinking about like the spike that they showed on her desk when they were like wrestling, and I was like, "Why didn't anything happen with that spike? Why did he show us that spike? Yeah, like, why are I don't? I'm not a hundred percent sure why the things that are happening are happening now. And to your point, where you're just kind of like Jeff. I, no one can see me, so I'm, just, I'm <laughs> talking to you specifically um, when. You, you, like you said, you were kind of waiting for the whatever, like whatever the is going to happen, like to to happen, and it just ends up being like, you know, Richard Jenkins says this thing: "I've done terrible things to women," and then the and then the uh, you know Rooney Mara comes out and it looks pretty good, 
and she's got the blood and he like runs to her and he, he knows instantaneously that it's not her and he just right. grabs her arm and he's like let go of her arm let go of her arm and then he just like beats his face in and yeah. I was like that's it like especially when he's especially when like Guillermo del Toro like has made this movie and it seems like it's leading somewhere and then like Richard Jenkins is like I want you to materialize my wife and right, you would think like, he almost gets away with that, and then the Kate Blanchett character, like, right. fucks him up. But I also right? kind of, I keep wondering, like, I kept waiting for, like, something vaguely fantastical to happen. You know, the idea that this guy really believes that his wife can be materialized, I suppose it's the same as, um, it's like just one step above believing that, like, someone can channel, like, the ghost of your son... But in a Del Toro movie, where like the atmosphere is as such, and David Strathairn, you know, is saying like, "No, don't mess with the book. Like the book will show you things, and like all this other stuff." And like there's the this, old mentalist. The yeah. Old, yeah. And it's like, like, oh, well, where can this go? This can go so many places. Like how how interesting can this movie get? And, you know, they keep they can peel off layers of reality or something, and it's just like, no, it's just or, her. Or if his, he just or kills if his him. engineering ability kind of like played into the right that, because that he does that engineering thing. thing right like that would have been nice or a ghost story <laughs> or it slips into like ghost story territory where for a moment he believes his wife has been material or something I don't know but it, it's it felt which like, is like what they they even they do a lot of that mentioning of stuff like oh you eventually like when um David Strathairn which is also a, a problem like they have Jenkins and Strathairn in here and I always get those two mixed up mm. Yeah, you could have alternated thing. those two yeah. guys. But when he says, like, you start believing it, like, yes. I, was, I was kind of expecting that to, like, he falls into believing it. Instead of just, like, believing he could get away with it. Right. And, and, and it's, again, it's not a, it's, it's like a narrative flaw and not a, a, um, a flaw, I guess, of the, of the aesthetics. So it's another one of those movies where I like the aesthetic. I didn't like it. I thought the aesthetic of Shape of Water was dumb and easy. And cheap. I thought he. It just, looks like a studio lot. It looks like a studio lot, and it looks like he took a lot of old sets that he had already built and just kind of like made another part of them and like rejiggered them together, or whatever. This was this was interesting. I mean, that carnival. It, when you're in the carnival thing, that seems that's all texture and that's all reality. You know, what I mean, that all feels like something. Um, when they go into like the Satan Funhouse and you can see it's like oh, yeah. fantastical, but you can see like. Still, the worn and frayed fabric. Right, and but that's er, that's early in the movie, and we seem to be getting away from that as the movie goes on. And he doesn't get it with like all the textures in Kate Blanchett's office. He doesn't get it again in like the maze. Like I wish that garden maze had like they'd done more with it. Yeah, it becomes somehow too Hudsucker proxy. Yeah, like everything gets very big and angular, and you're just like, why? And it's like. Like I said, I think it's or like, like Tim Burton Batman. It's I think it's like a graduation from like one level to this next level to this like upper level, but I don't think that serves any kind of narrative purpose. And uh, I think if another director had made this movie, I might like feel a little more like I might give it the benefit of the doubt. But I'm kind of done giving Guillermo del Toro the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's made two movies in a row that I think are like just don't really work for me. And I, The Shape of Water, I think, is just the worst. And we've talked about that on this podcast a lot. Um, and this movie is better than that, but it also just it seems to miss more than it... It seems to miss more than it hits. And I wish it, I wish it didn't. And I want to talk about this, too. I didn't know anything about... I, like, purposely... I, well, I think maybe because I didn't care because of The Shape of Water, but I didn't read any reviews of this movie before I went into it. I didn't even really know what it was about. I knew it took place in a carnival. 
I knew and what it was happened. a remake. But I knew I what happened. Oh, I didn't know anything that happened. So I was. Cons- I thought the reviews were much more mediocre than they ended up actually being. I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those Rotten Tomatoes. Um, uh, Metacritic. They've, well, they've gerrymandered like a positive Rotten Tomatoes score by saying like two and a half stars, positive. You know, I'll give it a positive. Three stars or you know two stars, but positive. That's a seventy on Metacritic. Is that good? Yeah, it's generally favorite. It's higher favorable. But I not. Think but nobody the saw it. Level for. Eighty uh, is the level for um, universal acclaim. Oh okay, but this might be one a percentage thing where like nobody saw the movie, so the people that actually did see it wanted to see it, and they <laughs> and they liked it. Um, I don't know. I think it's a it's a it's one of those things that like we could revisit in like a year, and once you've had some time to think about it and like live with it because. I'm, I am stuck with some of the visual the visual stuff. Like, some of it is, like, the, fee, the atmosphere is kind of stuck in my head from the carnival stuff. Um, well, yeah. Again, I kind of come back to, like, all right, what, the, the most common thing is obviously that weird baby, right? And that, love it. The, the weird baby, right? The, the, it, it, it's all about... It, it seems like it's trying to be about, um, like... Uh, parent uh, child relationships and this guy the, the, uh, who's the last guy? Bradley Grindle. Oh, Grindle. Right. Grindelwald. He pushed his wife down a staircase or some shit and made her miscarry. Right. Right. And then he is like cutting open Cape Blanchett in a way that is is very reminiscent of that weird baby at the beginning, right? Like, yeah. there's there's like symbolism throughout with with that baby stuff, and I'm just like, I don't know, maybe there's a deeper meaning here, but I I just I can't put it together in my yeah. small brain. Which I think is which I think is maybe it plays to it, it plays to um, it's not a meaning as much as it's like an atmosphere. Is it, is it's like setting a mood? But that mood I think should pay off somehow. You know what I mean? Sure. That mood should lead to something. Or be a part of like a bigger thing, um, and I just don't. I just don't think it does. Yeah, I, I think I think there's this weird thought aspect of. I, I think thematically for me, the attempt there was men killing women in various ways, mm-hmm. or men destroying women in various ways. Uh, Bradley Cooper's father driving away. The mother into the arms of somebody we can only assume was a worse grifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley Cooper kind of destroying Mooney Mara's life. Um, Richard Jenkins kind of ruining multiple women's lives, including Kate Blanchett. And like that's where that moment where like Kate Blanchett, the ultimate thing isn't the money, but the getting back at men sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, it, that ultimately doesn't really work. Well, like I, that's what I took. That. And, and maybe work. I'm looking for it to like hit me over the head. And yeah. Like, yeah. I get, okay. Yeah. I see how all that stuff adds up. But, but it, it obviously isn't. Like it's even looking at that from us. Like we just it isn't there. Like, Did, would would a typical noir film like have that sort of like either the, thematic arc or character development or arc or, or is it just kind of like I don't know we're all just kind of it, it wouldn't visually kind of do something like that and if it did it would be more for um, I'm thinking like the ticking bomb in not Naked City you know what I'm thinking of right the big the ticking nuclear bomb oh we're pausing I'm thinking of like the nuclear bomb in Kiss Me Deadly it's, it's usually mm. used more for like um, 
an emotion to the audience. Okay. So like it's it's used to kind of manipulate how the audience is going to think or to add tension or to add this kind of like MacGuffin sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they would do this baby thing and this kind of visual subtext that Del Toro's trying here. It's interesting though because it's definitely there. Everyone is, you know. There's this baby. He's got all and these. Theoretically, it was used to murder the original mentalist, right? And you use the the whatever pine alcohol or whatever. The fr- yeah, the, the formaldehyde the, right. alcohol to murder the wood, that guy. Wood alcohol. Yeah. Wood alcohol. Yeah. Um. But yeah, to say like, I came away like being able to put those pieces together, and okay, wow, and, you know, well, I, I sparked does, something in my you know. And to that end, how does the geek? How does the idea of a geek play into the idea of, like, that parent thing? Is it, like, just manipulation? Um, like, I'm not sure. So the geek thing is awesome, and it leads to um, a very novelistic ending. But I'm not sure how it ties to, like, the rest of the, some of, like, the baby imagery stuff. Well, I don't think it does. I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't see it. I and that's I wish part of me wishes that I was more I was able to just kind of more sit in like the, the noir experience but it wasn't and I don't know if you want to say anything about this it didn't I wanted it to punch more I wanted it to be punchier and it was just very slow moving and like everything that Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett said in that like really long back and forth initial conversation that they had in their office was like very seemed very pat um, well see what I, the, the thing I I appreciated about it was this kind of not molasses pace, but this kind of lethargic ish pace that does take and then, you know, Bradley Cooper's kind of bravado performance mixed with Kate Blanchett's kind of like femme fatale control yeah. uh, subtle control, but like exuding sexuality uh throughout everything. Um just as a noir guy, like all of that just worked for me. Mm-hmm. So like the pacing issues, which I know are prominently criticized by this film. Oh, really? From yeah, multiple people have like criticized how long it is. Like, just didn't bother me because it was doing all the things I like in film. Right, and right. So it's hitting. And this is a conversation we have a lot about horror movies. Is that like there's tropes, and you're either willing to buy into the tropes, and not as a criticism, just like yeah. you like the tropes, and you buy. And I, you know, you recognize them. Like, like, oh, tropes, okay. yeah. Um, and then there's you're just kind of like, oh, the tropes don't, these tropes don't work for me, so this other stuff doesn't work for me, and um, then you're, you're starting from like a, a, like a, like a negative almost, and then you're trying to, the movie's trying to earn points the whole time, and if it doesn't earn enough points, you're just kind of like, man. Well, it's funny, because like, you got you who doesn't typically care for the noir tropes, me who like, loves them, and you who don't really have seen a lot of noir yeah, films, so it's kind of interesting to have like the three different perspectives mm. on that. Yeah, it's an it's not an uninteresting movie though, but it doesn't surprise me that it made no money. No, at all. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty glad I saw it in theaters, but I also think like in its nature, it would have worked fine. I think. I think How, is it typical for his movies to not do well in theaters? Yeah, like, no, like, she did Pacific Rim, right? Shape of, yeah, Pacific yeah. Rim. But that's made like a, robots and shit. Right, so that made a bunch like, of money. 
um, Shape of Water made pretty decent money. money like, for is, is, his, is his tempo like I did Pacific Rim? Now I can do some weird art shit, and now well, and then I do. Yeah, I mean, he made Pacific Rim specifically so he could make in the um, the Shape of Water. Well, no, I think he made Shape of I oh, at the Mountain's Madness. Madness. Yeah. Um. So he wanted Which to. Which is now a, going back to do. Right. So he made a big blockbuster. He was like, I can make a blockbuster. Sure, I can make I can make a movie that makes a hundred million dollars, and he did. And re-earning the goodwill after, you know. Hellboy 2 kind of flopped. Which is a, tra- a travesty, because Hellboy 2 is one of the great superhero movies of all time. But that's neither here nor there. Not as good as the uh, Hellboy 2019, obviously. Oh. I don't know, Mario. <laughs> that's, I mean, you're right. It didn't have, like, a disembodied snake worm-like head that just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Or, you know... And, Unpleasant graphic violence, or just a one, or a, a Hellboy having like one really short arm and one really long arm instead of just like two proportional arms, just one having like a big stone <laughs> fist on it. Um, it didn't have like Hellboy clearly just holding on to some kind of prosthetic hand. It was the dark fucking ages. Cool. Ian McShane oh, narrating. Man, that movie was uh, terrible. But yeah, no, he's typically his movies typically don't do extremely well. Outside of Pacific Rim, which even Pacific Rim did well, but not like hugely well. No, it did. It did good. It did good. Um, it did well it didn't good for the time. I was listening to a podcast today. They were talking about um, what year were they talking about Mario? The year shape Pacific Rim came out. No, they were talking about something else, and they were talking about how um, about making money, and they were talking about this movie and like how it made no money and how West End Story made no money, and they were saying how like. In I forget which year it was, um, like the biggest movies, you know, the big movies were like the tentpole like franchise releases, but like all these other kind of out of nowhere movies also made like a hundred million dollars. Um, so there's that Tina Fey Amy Poehler movie, Sisters. They were referencing. There was like a couple of other movies where they were just like, these movies made a shit ton of money, and they're not movies that anyone remembers seeing or talks about or are part of the culture or part of the dialogue or anything. Right. And now we're kind of at the point where, like, that that's never going to happen again. Like, this movie's going to make $10 million. Maybe. I mean, I just think the audience that this film is targeting, the audience that West Side Story is targeting is older. But and the, that audience isn't going to the theater. But here's right the thing. West Side, the theater I saw West Side Story in, I had to sit in the front row. I mean, the second to front row. Oh. The whole theater, and that was in the morning. It was 1145. Well, yeah, because that's old people over there. There was a lot of old people. There. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good it was a good mask crowd. So I felt I felt uh, felt happy. I had a good mask crowd at Nightmare Alley, which was nice. Yeah, I had a good mask crowd at Nightmare Alley too. I think they were very chatty during the movie. Then it made me realize how much I hate going to the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. I will say this: it's actually a good counter to the fact that like my experience with Nightmare Alley would have been better at home streaming because yep. I wouldn't have had the noise. But I will say my experience with the next movie was improved by being with a, a big audience. And that movie is... Um, it is Kurt Vonnegut, Unstuck in Time. You saw that in the theaters? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, it is Spider-Way... Spider-Way. Spider-Way. <laughs> Spider-Way, no man home. Spider-Man 3. Eight, Not Spider-Man 3. 8, whatever. It's just Spider-Man, no it way home. Matters. I know. It actually matters. Yeah. Spider-Way, no way home. You just said it again, Spider-Way. God damn it. <laughs> Ever since I got bit by that spider, 
I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. started getting some visitors from every universe hello Peter you're not Peter Parker I'm sorry what was your name again dr. Otto Octavius <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. We're in for a real treat. Our guest is going to do a guest rundown <coughs> of Spider-Man, Spider-Way, No Man Home. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I feel like you guys always have... So basically, the movie starts out and... Peter is, uh, it starts out right at the end of the last movie, right? Far from home. So uh, he's outed as Peter Parker. Peter Parker and Spider-Man are, you know, the same person. Um, You get some callbacks to Spider-Man 2 in that crowd where the guy's like, oh, you're just a kid? Like, what the fuck? And and they thwip off and try to escape and... uh, uh, there's fallout, right? So Stark gets raided. Stark Industries gets raided, uh, and I, they go back to high school. And it's really weird with his old teachers. <laughs> that seems <laughs> what, what, great. One of them is like a conspiracy theorist, and the other two are like, "Yo, can we be best friends?" Uh, and uh, I'd say most importantly, uh, everyone's trying to get into college, and uh, with the recent fallout, he and uh, MJ and Ned are all rejected from MIT and pretty much every other college that they uh, apply to because they're criminals now mm. or perceived as criminals. And Peter's unhappy with this, feels responsible, so he goes, he gets the idea that he should uh, contact Doctor Strange, his, his friend from space. And uh, Stephen, uh, <laughs> until things go awry, call me sir. Um, and they concoct the idea to do a forget spell to make everyone forget uh, that Spider-Man and Peter Parker are the same. Uh, during the spell, Pete, Peter, Pete, Pete, my friend Pete, <laughs> <laughs> Peter. Peter starts saying like, well, I don't want, you know, all these people to forget. And 
uh, that that I'm Spider-Man because he has he had this moment with MJ where you know it's been the best week of his life, right? Um, that or the the week where she knew was the best week, mm-hmm. right? So he doesn't want to lose this connection to uh, uh, his aunt and uh, Happy and MJ, and that fucks up the spell and they tear the multiverse apart briefly, but Stephen Strange is Doctor Strange is able to control the spell and, and uh, puts it in a little cube thing. Which has a name, but I don't know what it's... Yeah. Like, why it has, you know, what it matters or anything. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but it's similar to the stuff that he did in What If. So, mm, so yep. there's some callbacks to that. As yeah. Well. Um, the... Uh, Dur- but during that conversation, or after that, he's like, "You didn't ask them to just like rethink their idea, their their uh, plan, or their their rejection of you, of you and your friends from MIT." And he's like, "No, I didn't even think about that. Why would I?" <laughs> you know? yeah. But that's a good point. I'll go talk to those people. So he, uh, the, the admissions, admissions person. person, is on her way to the airport. He finds her on a bridge, and convinces her at least to think about it right and then doc ock attacks and that's kind of where you start off on this whole uh we screwed up the multiverse thing right so um she ends up he ends up saving uh the admissions person uh and doing this neat little trick with the nanotech on on doc ock to kind of contain him and uh, they fly, and and they get as Green Goblin's coming in. Doctor Strange ports them back to the basement and explains what's going on. Right? Oh, we've messed with the multiverse. All of these people who knew who Peter or who that Peter Parker and Spider Man were the same are the same person are now coming into our universe, and you need to fix it. Um, you need to Scooby do this shit. <laughs> Scooby do this Which shit. Which I'm not 100% sure I know I what that means. I don't know what that means either. <laughs> like, I could. It's a bad call, right? Like, like Scooby Doo is like, oh, we unmasked, and like, oh, the, you know. Yeah, it's not like It's not like send you back to your, yeah. you know, you know, even if it was like uh, to your, back to your home, air, whatever. Doesn't so, matter. Doctor Strange is out of touch. That's what that He's shows. out of touch. Oh, but it is revealed that he's not no longer the Sorcerer Supreme before this, which is kind of big news for stuff coming down the line, mm. um, and that Wong is actually Sorcerer Supreme uh, because Doctor Strange got blipped, right? Sidebar, do we think that Wong got short shrift in this movie? I feel like Wong just like entering and then leaving again. This is too many. This is too much. Wong just kind of like being in movies for ten seconds. <laughs> was he in? Was he Internals as well? Or no, but he was in Shang Chi. Shang Chi. I just yeah. still haven't gotten around to. Um, he's only in that for like ten minutes as well. Not he's even, in. He's in the post credit scene. Well, in the one scene when he fights Abomination in like in the club. Right. But like he's just in. He's just like. Jew, jew. Yeah, like, and it's oh, kind of, and it's also weird wrong. to like now add he's the context of like Coulson. he's the Sorcerer Supreme to that and be like, what, like you know, right. he, why is he off fighting Abomination? And Doctor Strange is just hanging out in his sweats. <laughs> What's the but, big deal from a comic perspective of being Sorcerer Supreme? Like, I don't think Doctor Strange ever explained that well enough to me. Um, I think it, it's, 
that's a good question. Well, because he doesn't have the time stone anymore. I, the, the Sorcerer Supreme, I, I don't know if it's necessarily tied to Sorcerer Supreme, but it's they're, they're considered Nexus beings, which are people who are consistent throughout the multiverse. Mm. So there's the same copy of them in each one. So him, Wanda, um, uh, Loki, they're, they're this, they're, they might take different forms, but they're always in every universe. There's never not a Wanda. There's never not a Loki. Right. There's never not. Wait, that's... Oh, I thought everyone had a copy of every... Okay. This is why, this is why we need another Marvel Right, that's because there's no Avengers in there where, you're, where we're right. going with this. Right. You know, he, you know all uh, these, yeah. these villains get, come out and then he has to wrangle... Like, he has to wrangle all the villains and MJ and Ned help wrangle the villains... Um, and a tree, they get a tree in there, which yeah, is Ned, the, the, Ned the suddenly yeah. gains magical power. Is Ned right? From... So, so they very quickly kind of established that Ned might have some innate magical ability because his grandma talks about it or whatever. And they have those swords on the wall in his house, right? And they kind of say like, "Oh, Ned might be able to do this pretty quickly," right? So they kind of set that up, right? But basically, yeah. So lizards already there. Uh, now they got Doc Ock, and they're like, we don't know how many there are. You got to go find them. So they start like going through social media to see where these people show up. He thinks he uh, sees where uh, Green Goblin might go uh, at, at the military installation. Mm-hmm. He ends up running into Electro and Sandman. Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx and... Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Poor guy. <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church is still like... sand for most of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still think it was like a... C- and it was probably a CGI Thomas Hayden Church that, you know, when he actually see his face. Oh, he was nowhere. They were just like, can you... <laughs> we're going to send you a camera. Can you take a video of yourself just turning around? And then one looking at your hand and then another... <laughs> Because he does seem like he's in the he's in the um, the crown right of like the Statue of Liberty. They show yeah. him turning around and yeah. he's like the exact same size as like one of the windows. Like his whole body fits in a window, <laughs> or like no, his shoulders and his head fit like in the whole. I was like, yeah. that's, that's the same thing as Reza Finn, who just has like one second of being Reza Finn. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he just looks sad. He's like, I'm in, I'm gonna be in a Kingsman, or the Kingsman. Oh right, yeah. But he's got a uh, to kill a mockingbird on the west end. No, he he dropped out of that. Never mind. He's not Rape, doing. Rape Spall replaced him. Uh, are they gonna do it with British accents to kill a mockingbird? I mean, they're British. Yeah, why not? But they're playing is American. That weird? Oh. Yeah, is that weird? Yeah. That's yeah, kind that's of American cool. people yeah. talking about. How do you racism? say bus bus a shifero with a British accent? Bus a shifero. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where were we? Oh, so they wrangle the people. They wrangle. They wrangle uh, uh, Electro and Sandman, and uh, and then they get, uh, Aunt May calls and she says, "Hey, I found one of your guys. Uh, he seems like he's in distress, right?" And this is one of the more pivotal pivotal thing parts of the movie is uh, Aunt May brings. Uh, brings Peter aside after an introducing to uh, Green, Green Goblin and says, uh, we help people and, and you have to figure out how to help these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, after Peter kind of says, this isn't my problem, I'm just going to send him home. Fuck him, right? Really quickly, is Feast from the comics or is Feast from the video game? 
Uh, I don't know. That's a okay, big I'll cut for I'll, me. I'll look it up. Um, so Peter now has theoretically all the people, and uh, he he's like, "All right, let's send them home." And Stephen and they and they have a moment where they're like, "Yeah, I was just about to kill Spider Man," and and then I showed up here or mm-hmm. whatever, right? And Stephen, Doctor Strange, <laughs> why I call him Stephen Strange? Doctor Strange goes. Well, yeah, all these all these people die in their respective universes at Spider-Man's hands, and uh, they have to go back there and die. That's the, that's how that's their contrib- contribution to the multiverse. Fuck them, right? And, and Peter's Sam, like, Sam and Lizard are like, we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and Peter Peter now having Aunt May's thoughts in his head goes, yeah, I can't let these people die. So he enacts a plan or an improvised plan to uh, make sure that they stay there. And Am obviously I feeling too long on this. Yeah. <laughs> right okay. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so uh, I, I guess fast forward a bit. Um, well, we can, let's uh, stop there. Cause then there's for there's the most questionable part of the movie. It also doesn't me. matter. We'll just cut. Yeah, okay. We'll cut. Yeah. We'll, just we'll cut it all. We'll I'm probably not going to edit it. take a long time. Um, Sorry, so I definitely we went this, on like no, no, a high fine. Kevin no. Smith no. version of how if to you, recap that movie. If you ever saw us there, doing there, it, there's no other way to do it. <laughs> like we've done this for three years, so then we get to the we get to the uh, uh, Inception part of the movie, where we, we because it's Doctor Strange is in it, he has to do Inception things, and he ends up in the Grand Canyon. You know, they're in the mirror, the mirror reality where I right. have the control, but apparently he doesn't have enough control to stop Peter from doing. Literally geometry. anything geometry. He's like, oh, it's just, uh, it's just this. I forget what he calls it. Um, and then he's he's, stuck. he's a medical doctor. He's not a physicist. Come but on. he's stuck somehow, like over the Grand Canyon for twelve hours. Like, yeah, he kind of gets uh, by webs or by he gets math. Stuck by webs and math, and in a portal that I don't know somehow collapsed in on itself. And Peter steals the ring and and. Because he stole I mean, the ring, he out. couldn't get out. I mean, I'm right. going. I'm going to be honest. When that scene happened, I was a little hungover watching it, this movie too, and I was kind of just like, ah, that's fine. Like, it's strange he gets stuck because he could fix a lot of this. No, fine. I guess is one thing. I guess where we would go after this is that the movie then decides to do the big, and this is why we played the spoiler alert thing in the beginning of the episode. The movie decides to do the big uh, reveal, which is that. Toby. All the other Spider-Mans are now here. Right. right? Um, you got your Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire as their respective Spider-Man are now... Ned finds them and they're going to help Peter. Right. Man, Scooby I was really hoping for an animated Miles Morales to pop in too. No, they're I, saving that. It's, yeah, Miles, they're saving Miles. Especially with what Electro said, right? Um, and all Gotta be stuff. careful where you fall. What? <laughs> it's one of the awesome things that Electro said. Well, because um, him and him, elect when he says the Sandman, Electro and Sandman both fell in. Yeah, you oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, yeah, yeah. I fell into a hydron collider. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you gotta be careful where you fall. Jamie Foxx was bringing heat in this, in this movie. Um, so I guess to, to that point, even right before that, like there's the big, um, there's the big fight scene where like Osborne goes bad. When, when right. they're, they're in Happy's apartment where he's got um, a fabricator, a Stark industry fabricator, and he's trying to make all these things to fix him. And uh, um, Osborne reveals like that he's you know he's really been like the goblin the whole 
time. And he's right. Like, like, fuck shit up. And then it gets really, like, awesomely violent. I mean, there's some yeah. great wrestling, like, tactics in here. That Greek yeah. Goblin's just like, fuck you. And I'm he's getting beat up. the fuck up. And he's just like, ha, yeah, keep doing it. it this feels great. so Fight Club and it's so, so great. Good. It was so good. Once again, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Oh, he's fantastic. Amazing. But it gets very human. Like after the after the big Doctor Strange stuff, after Doctor Strange exits, it becomes a very human movie with some superhero mm-hmm. stuff in it. Yeah, and that's where I think I'm. If, if I push back at, at all on like those early Doctors, that D- Doctor Strange moment when he's just kind of like making trains go on top of themselves, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, yeah, yeah. Just like ah, do we need this? Like, it's it's, it's really only here. there for him to get trapped there, right? Right. It's, it's yeah. Um, like, is that the only way he could have taken the box back from him? Is, like, throwing them into the mirror world and, like, making all these, this train and stuff? No. 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 It's cool, I guess, but... No. I think that's the only reason to push back a little bit. Um, but then they, the Spider-Mans all work together to create uh, antidotes and fixes. And then they go to the... The captain, new, the, the new, new Statue of Liberty. The new Statue of Liberty. With the Captain America yeah, get shield. fucked, the French. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need your trophy anymore. Um, and then, I don't know, do we want to spoil the whole thing? A big fight happens. A big fight happens, and then... I would... Uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how much to... I don't know I don't how think, much I think we can talk about the whole movie without... Talk, I think we can talk about it without talking about like the very, very end. So, I, I mean, I think some I of that mean, stuff's super important to... Okay. The, I mean, we're going... People there... Uh, fine, we're going to talk about Yeah, we're talking about So what does he do? So, well, yeah, so he eventually... Uh, he almost kills Goblin, right? The uh, Toby stops him. And is just... Because there's some stuff about, like, you don't want to become us, right? right? So they basically... Was it, I didn't hold back my... I stopped holding my punches or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he stopped... That was Andrew. Well, Andrew Garfield, yeah. Um... <clears throat> Toby just kind of says, like, yeah, I became vengeful and, and, and all this stuff, right? So as uh, uh, Tom Holland is exacting his revenge, he stops him, gets stabbed, <laughs> and then and then Peter realizes, like, oh, I need to help, right? And, and injects Green Goblin with some serum shit and reverses the effects of the original serum, right? Yep. Um, and then... Doctor Strange is like, and everyone's like, "Oh yay, feel good!" And then uh, Doctor Strange is like, "I can't fucking stop all these fuckers from coming in." And you see some other Spider-Man villains coming in. You see Scorpion, Craven, and uh, uh, Rhino. Rhino coming through. Um, or Paul Giamatti. <laughs> and uh, and Peter's just like, make everyone forget that I'm exist, right? Which is a beat from the comics. It's happened in the comics. Yeah. And. He gets his final goodbyes with Ned and uh, MJ. Uh, Doctor Strange says peace and does the spell, and now no one remembers who Peter Parker is. Straight up, right? Um, and then you get these crazy moments where Happy is—he's at his gravesite or at the gravesite of uh, May. Aunt May. Oh yeah, May died. And. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, that was like 
Oh my god! Well, I remember when I remember as, new as, soon, ben. as soon as she right. said as soon as she said the line, I was, I was like, "Fuck, she's gonna die!" Oh, the second, the second <laughs> she fell down, the like, second she fell, the second the explosion happened, I was like, "Marissa Tomei is done with these movies." But then she like, got up and she was just well, yeah, like, yeah no, up. I thought she was gonna be fine, and then she said the words, and I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck, you're dead." Yeah. <laughs> no, the second she stood back up, I was like, "I guarantee you, she's bleeding it out right now." I don't know. I thought it was like cool that they didn't kill her. But I think it was just because I was sitting next to my eight-year-old son, who oh. definitely didn't want Aunt May to die. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, cool, Marvel! You're doing me a solid." So he sees Happy, uh, uh, and Happy doesn't remember who he is. Just knows that they both know each other through Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to visit uh, MJ at work, and she's obviously doesn't remember who he is. He has a whole speech planned about like, oh, you know, because they had talked about how they would know that each other knows each other. And he basically seeing Ned and MJ be happy after they've now been accepted into MIT and their lives are back in in shape. Mm -hmm. He reneges on his plan and just walks out. I really thought Ned and MJ were going to be dating. I thought so too. I was like, oh, is this going to happen? And then I was like, ah, that would have been funny. I and then it. and then you see him kind of move into they put him in in place to be like basically grown up Spider-Man. Yeah, the in poor New, in poor New Spider-Man, poor. the Spider-Man 3 style apartment. Right. He's and taking he's the got GED the sick ass fucking like neon blue light blue suit that from the straight from the like the original comics and he thwips to the end of Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not gonna happen, but would it be, should happen would be though. Totally cool. It would be so good to like just like that's Kevin Feige putting his dick on the table and being like, "Listen, you see, you know, see you what know. I did here? Well, I'm yeah. fucking Kevin Feige." You want Clint just to in be case like, you didn't know. You want Peter to like swoop in and be like, "Oh, hey, hey, Clint, hey, what's up? Like, who are you? Who are you?" And him just go like, like sad face and just be like, "I'm just here to help." I guess I heard of a disturbance. It whips some shit. I just want to say that my and, favorite part of Hawkeye is the fact that like. Sometimes the captions don't know what Jeremy Renner said. I Sometimes he says stuff so. and like I put the captions on because like I'm like I don't know what he said. And so I was like <laughs> I'm gonna put the captions on and sometimes they're like there'll be no cap he'll be just, just and there'll be no caption. I'm like the caption doesn't know either. I've still only seen actually the first episode. Who knows what Jeremy Renner which is the worst episode. But like, yeah, I was bored out of my mind. Oh, the first episode. So bad. I was um, just like Haley Stanfield is fun to like watch act. And, um, you know, I was But it's with the Matt Murdock reveal. Oh, yeah, Matt Charlie Murdoch. Cox as Matt Murdock. With the Hawkeye, the last episode of Hawkeye, spoiler alert, like where Kingpin is going to be in it somehow. All these universes are kind of colliding together. And for some reason, they've chosen this one moment to, like, I don't know. Everything can't, seems to be existing in Rockefeller Center right. at the same time, right. and, which and is fascinating. I have a $50 bet with my girlfriend that he shows up in, in the last episode, and she's like, no way. I'm just like, I mean, you don't show Rockefeller Center him like getting a police siren call yep. and then have all the, the stuff, you know, all the promo work for Hawkeye be like... We're going to Rockefeller Center, guys, and then not have him show up to like the Christmas. That, that'd stuff be and insane. All, yeah. That'd be just 
ridiculous. It seems weird. Um, so here's the thing with this movie, and here's one of the things that I was. Should we, thinking, talk, should we talk about our opinions? Yeah, yeah. Here's what I'm, <laughs> oh, I loved like, it. This is great. <laughs> this is like this is like Endgame of just Spider-Man. So shit. this is what I was gonna. This is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Is that like I loved it too. Hated it. Did you really hate yeah, it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but is it can, is it even possible to review this movie? No, and, and you know what? Actually, I can review this movie in the sense of. We're still in the middle of COVID and whatnot, or whatever. Fucking. Or the beginning of COVID. COVID forever. Um, it was nice to have an event movie. Like I don't these these films can't be reviewed in the same level by which we review Nightmare Alley, or by which we review. I mean, we could Ricardo. do it. We could, but I mean, I would argue that this it's... movie this movie at least had like character arcs, development, <laughs> and fucking like. Shit that was like, oh, like, oh, that led to this, and now I, and, and like, yeah. and that shit that, and there was a theme of like failure, right? Spider Man fucking fails all the time. How do we make sure, or how, do, like, what does Spider Man do when he fails, right? And, and it builds and, up. And at, and at least, like, there's that that I can call back to and be like, yeah. yeah. Okay, or his or a... reluctance that all these villains will die after killing ish Quentin Beck. Right, because he did. He's, he's who I still think Mysterio's not. He's gonna not come back. He's not dead. <laughs> no, I think he's probably dead. Mysterio's too cool of a villain. To get. Mysterio's the best fucking Spider-Man villain. At, well, so but my feeling about this movie. Also, you is do that, Jake Gyllenhaal for one movie. Yeah, no, I think he's proof that I think what Mysterio's proof that he is not the best villain, which is a weird. Which I, I didn't frame that right. He's not proof of that, I guess. Mysterio seems cool compared to Vulture. And compared to like most of the villains that MCU oh, characters I meant, have to I, fight. I didn't mean MCU. I meant like Mysterio is the best Spider-Man villain for like the comics. Oh, maybe. I guess. I don't There's know. a lot to do with Mysterio. But like Green Green Goblin is, you know, Willem Dafoe is Harry Osborn. The Green Goblin thing is you just, you, it made me crave that in all other MCU movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even Doc Ock, you, like, it made me crave those two, like a, a villain of that depth. Yeah. Um, coming into the MCU, because even like Thanos, they tried to do like Doc Ock is the original Thanos in the sense that like it's not really his fault. Like stuff happened and he's a villain, but he didn't mean to be a villain. Thanos doesn't really mean to be a villain. He's just trying to like save the universe by just killing half of it and um, prevent the destruction of Earth. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I mean at the end he's just pissed off, and so he's just like fucking. Well, no, I'm trying to say I'm trying to say like how Eternals like messes things up. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Let's just, I mean, we could do a quick Eternals <laughs> review with Jeff here. Um, I listen to yours. But, like... I th- and I listen to Shang-Chi as well. I, 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 would the, I would say the one thing that I noted about the Shang-Chi review was that I disagree about... I, I agree about, like, having to be, like, buff and cut for everything. Mm-hmm. But I think fight choreography, practicing that and doing well at that is a huge skill that... Does not get appreciated right. because it's so well done. When it's like, yeah, Simulu looked fucking awesome in that bus scene, right? But if he just like showed up and was like eating donuts like the whole time, like it would not look that good, right? And and there's good, especially in the MCU, right? You look at Iron Fist, and Iron Fist fucking sucks because all the all the action is like all these jump cuts of like look over here, look over here, look over here. And, and, you, and when Simu Liu can like actually be in the bus and be and like, do all the and stuff, do yeah. all the stuff, right? That's why that's so Did you watch the... Why, why are you fight, fighting? Is that what it's called? 
Oh, no. Did you see the assembled on Disney Plus for um, Shang-Chi? I did not. So it's great because they show him, like, practicing that. Mm. So he's, like, this is, he's, like, talking to, like, the making of camera. There's, like, the blue screen in the back and they're on the fake bus. He's, like, this is my favorite move I have to do. And he does the thing when he flips through all the, the, um, you know, the the handrails and stuff. He just, like... Does it? He's like, this is my favorite move. And just whoosh, like, whoosh. whoa! <laughs> like, so, but I've changed. I think me and Mario have talked a little bit about this. But like, I've I like Shang Chi a lot more. Like the fourth, fifth, sixth time I've seen it, because okay. like my kids watched it. Like, I'll, like after it came out on Disney Plus, they were just like, yes, all the time now. Shang-Chi. Well, what's well, funny? What's funny is like I, I the big the big I, reason to bring you on this podcast was you listened to our Avengers Endgame episode years back, and were irate. <laughs> so, but I, I don't remember being. You were I, mad. I probably was. Yeah, because right, because you reviewed well, Endgame as a movie, as, as a, a movie, and time travel is not the time travel cannot. I refuse to allow time travel to be the solution. <laughs> so, to that point, it was I, I. I struggled a little bit with. Not a, I had a struggle because I enjoyed myself so much with with this movie, especially um, once Andrew Garfield comes. I mean, Andrew Garfield. Andrew He's Garfield on fire this year. Does he was insane. fucking amazing in this movie. He's, what is his deal? He's actually a problem for me. I'll, and I will get to that yes. in a bit. Okay. I, because I'm, I'm very interested to hear how that... I'm, I'm now gay, and I want to have... I want to be I get it. Garfield. I get yeah. it. Number three. No. <laughs> um, there's parts of this movie where I'm just kind of like... Uh, like with some of like the resolution stuff that they kind of... They, they go to like how they you know they capture the people and I love oh I love I don't I, I just, this is a digression I love the Easter egg guys who were just like obsessed with like Spidey's new Doctor Strange suit like before the movie comes out and they're just like no it's just an inside out suit yeah they're like yeah. what is this new suit new well, awesome well, new I, suit I, it's I like think... no it's just a broken suit just dirty the, but the, the the thing with that though is that you're always they're always they're so good about calling back things from comics sure right and whether it's an inside out suit or you know whatever the black might, suit or right, some kind of right. new like cosmic um sorcerer suit and and for me i feel like this this movie made toby's run i think toby's run was really good right one and two obviously are, are held up as some of the best movies yeah the amazing stuff is kind of Considered shit. Right? Kind of is what it is. It's I, like um, it's not. I, I, I like the. They're amazing. bad. Movies. I like. I like the amazing stuff. To be they're honest, they're stupid movies, but they're also good. Like the performances are good. The amazing stuff worked for me. The movies are the ca- not I good, they, but Andrew Garfield yes, the and work. Emma Stone are right. so good in the yes. Gwen Stacy Spider-Man roles yep. that like the characters. I bought the, into the it. characters work. I mean, it's good. It's good to have. You the movie like bad. oh I don't know. There's a. I think it's amazing. Train station underground, like all that stuff. Which is like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I but think like, we're getting to the we're getting to the Andrew Garfield of it because I think this movie clarified something that in limited Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker time, in the or in the years between when he did Amazing and when he did this, he's really seemed to clarify the character a little bit because he seemed a little all over the place when he was originally Peter Parker. He's like cool, but he's a nerd, but he's like like really flippant and like kind of a douche but he's also like a good guy yeah, it, work. it works because it's it's a, it's the arc it by works. which amazing that and that version of peter parker would and we don't see the post garfield 
Spider-Man turning point of right. Gwen Stacy's death. And that's where and that's where I'm happy to have this Andrew Garfield. But I just want to say, my so my to go to the Avengers Endgame point. I was kind of a little the idea that he's gonna like just take the fabricator and just kind of like fix everybody. I was like, God, come on, man! Like, does it just have to be a fabricator in his house? So again, this is just kind of like me. I don't feel like suspending all my logic like all the time to watch one of these movies, and I fight with it all the time. Um, that's why, like, when I first saw Shang Chi, I was just kind of like, it's good, it's good. But I, like, you know, I mean, it, I, it is my what it pro- is. I, I, I had the same issue with what you guys said right like it's it's this kung fu movie theoretically and and he has this big scene where he's like i'm gonna kill my dad and you're like yeah fucking kill your dad that'd be sick show me that (laughs) and instead it's like a demon eats him and like there's this big cgi right like there could have been like a really crazy unique moment in the mcu where they were just like yeah you fucking killed his dad and he has to live with that now on some level and like that was part of how he needed to ascend to whatever he became mm-hmm. and explore that instead of just like I don't know you got eaten by a demon there's a dragon fight and like balls of you know light and well we've credits. watched and we've watched that that end scene you know obviously like six or seven times at this point and I've said to my wife because we just inadvertently watch it sometimes because like the kids are just watching it I was like I know that they edited this scene when he's like flying through the air and doing like all this stuff yeah. About to like explode the rings inside the yeah um, man. I'm gonna whatever. be this is this is gonna bring a point of a missing thing from my childhood. I wish in my childhood I watched kids and like things that like inspired kids because like I feel my opinions on movies and stuff would be different because literally when I was a kid I'd watch Scream and mm. Halloween H2O on I repeat. Power Rangers. So. <laughs> I ended up watching stuff that ge- definitely wasn't geared towards children. It's probably it was geared towards teenagers mm-hmm. from a young age, and so like, even though I really appreciated the experience of this, I f- still feel so distant from all of this stuff. Oh my god, this this movie makes me feel so good. And so that was my only thing, and and to the point where right after they right after all the fixing stuff. That's when the good feelings happen. When Andrew Gar, when that's when it's that when people are like everyone claps. And every, like everyone, my wife was just kind of like, oh, they did a bigger clap for Andrew Garfield than they did for Tobey Maguire. And I was like, because if Andrew Garfield's in the movie, Tobey Maguire's in the movie. Yeah, he's so they're just it. clapping for the idea. Like, <laughs> at that point. And they're just like, it came true! It came true! Because um, I saw this, at, I pulled my kids out of school on Thursday to see it at three in the afternoon because that was like the only time we could get like a ticket not in the front row for like that opening yeah. night. I definitely I was, saw this in the second row. Oh, you did? So you're like, this. I still had a fun time in the second row. Um, no, I sat like you did, apparently, in Apple Theaters, like this. <laughs> if, you sit, if you sit swooped way far down... You could get there. You, um, you are just looking straight up. But that's when the good feelings start, and that's when I felt like that movie came alive for me when they stopped doing all the stuff, and they started just letting Andrew Garfield, oh. Andrew Garfield all over the place, and then I was like... And Tobey Maguire, oh, yeah, Tobey whole... Maguire becomes like the old man heart of the movie, and you're yeah. just like, I didn't know, I didn't expect this to happen. He was like doing a Jack John, Jack, uh, Jack Johnston sort of into the Spider Verse. Oh sort yeah, of thing. a little bit, but less like less irreverent, but just kind of like I'm the I'm the I'm the core here. Yeah, yeah. and and that's what I find interesting is the fact that, like this movie really doesn't do a lot for me in this for me. I love it. But I love it because I'm surrounded 
by the experience of it. Like Endgame, as I said in my review, didn't do much for me. But when people lost their shit over um, Captain America grabbing, I, I still war. cry when went like on your left and like well, on your left, yeah, on your left and like Avengers Assemble. I still go like, oh fuck, I can't cry. Like I'll be at work and just watching like <laughs> like like you know. Look at this crowd reaction and just be like, oh man, I can't and, fucking handle it. And like Endgame has like that moment that does work for me where Black Widow like sacrifices herself. Because I think like sure, does great work and not. Um, like this, like there's stuff that happens to this. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I like the Spider-Man movies. Like I've had fun. I've seen all but the amazing Spider-Man. No, I haven't seen. Actually, I saw the original three trilogy in mm-hmm. theater. Yeah. Um, I saw Amazing Spider-Man 1 in, in theaters, and I haven't seen another one in theaters until this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that, like, when people, like, started cheering, when... Um, when Knuckles Andrew... got revealed? <laughs> well, I was so... I was so... Knuckles, wait for Knuckles. No, I did... I did I text, that movie. I texted, <laughs> I texted Tom when that... Because the trailer played, when Knuckles shows, and I'm like, these people are fucking cheering for Knuckles. <laughs> So the day that the I woke up and I checked my new I checked like my news feed and like it was like new trailer for like Sonic 2. That movie looks at it. fucking awful. Oh, but it's Sonic 1 was my is my son's favorite movie. And so like I showed him at breakfast and he like started tearing up when Knuckles came out and I was like this is this is why this is why you have kids so they can watch Sonic trailers and like get emotional and Knuckles is like who thinks I need your power. But like so when when Andrew Garfield like catches MJ, and like oh then the God. crowd starts clapping, oh. and then fucking Garfield Shit. knocks that scene out of the goddamn part. I, I did. Lost it because like yeah. it was the mixture of the crowd, like being into this event film, but then Garfield just like broke, and you know Zendaya, who's still a growing actor, and, like but not still also playing off that extremely well. Like that scene's so well shot, and oh, Andrew Garfield's fucking amazing in it that like. That's what worked for me. Like, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't do anything for me, except for, like, great Defoe stuff, and great Alfred Molina has, like, good guy I mean, you stuff. And you get that same moment with Toby, too, right? Where he, when he protects Green Goblin from getting murdered, mm-hmm. right? He, that's him being like, I fucking let my, you know, Uncle Ben die because of all this shit surround and, like, the vengeance that I mm-hmm. had for... The guy I thought, which that was a whole mess in that in the third movie, as far as Spider Man was concerned. But right. like, but they kind of, but like, they have that moment too for him, which is like, to me, that what I was going to say before is this make like this puts context to what happens after those movies and and makes those movies even better in my eyes. Because so too, because yeah. definitely it fixes Amazing Spider Man. Because yeah. you're just like. Oh wow! Like yeah, this stuff actually mattered for these people on some level, and they were able to fix that in in the this universe. And well, he, so, oh, it's okay. go ahead. No, no, I mean go. if it's. No, you go. I mean I want to get into my criticism of this. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So. Oh, I was just gonna. I guess what I was just gonna say is that I think this is where like the Marvel has done a good job, where the other movies, um, the studios had failed in the sense that. I guess fail is like the wrong word, but like they didn't do as good a job as that. Like they focused a lot on like the villains and the action and getting as many like known characters into these things as humanly possible. And they focused mm. less on like the human emotion of it. So in none of those movies would they ever allow 
like as long a scene as like the three Spider-Mans kind of commiserating over what it means to lose somebody. Sure. Um, as like they did in this movie, and they would do, and they do that a lot in MCU movies. We're just like we're gonna stop the action here for a second. We're gonna stop the quipping and the jokes and what have you, and we're gonna bring it down and have just people talking about what it means to be a person. So you saw them do this in WandaVision with the like, what is grief? But like you know. Um, well, I forget what Vision's line was. We're allowed to, to talk about Hawkeye. Yeah, uh, With, or, yeah. Or, or like Hawkeye is all about hero worship, right? Yeah. And and the scene where she kind of puts together like, "Oh, you're fucking Ronan." Yeah. Like, Right, like of uh, like I've looked up to you my whole life. Now, what do I do with this context? Right, and and right, how uh, fuck I'm miss uh, uh, Yelena is like. What do you like that whole yep. interrogation scene where yep. it's just like, how do you look up to this guy? He's he's trash. He well, let my sister die. He's you know all this stuff. And right? not even that. I mean, so then the, the ultimate scene from of that ilk is like the Jonathan Majors scene at the end of Loki, where he's just like, you got twenty minutes because this is what we're gonna do for this episode is I'm gonna talk to you and I'm gonna tell you some stuff. And people the, hated that scene though. I felt, but they also I think they I thought they loved it. I I, I loved it too I because you got oh, Jonathan we, we, Majors. We just lost Jonathan. I, I don't know much about Jonathan, but I was just like, oh. he's just fucking loving this Can't shit right wait now. For whatever he, Kang is gonna like, bring. Yeah. I, I to be in his position of like I get to play probably in the next ten years the pinnacle villain. Mm-hmm. I get to do it in like ten different ways because I'm gonna be in ten different movies and I'm gonna be a variant in each one. Yep. Right. Like he gets to bring so much different shit to every time he plays that character until you know he becomes uh, you know the destroyer or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like I, I feel like an actor relishes that chance sure. and, and wants I mean, that and to happen. If you haven't seen it yet, Last Black Man in San Francisco, if you want some Jonathan Majors goodness, it's good. Check that one out. Um, okay. But I think it's it's as a corrective, like we were talking to these other movies, like Sam Raimi kind of did it. And like Spider-Man Two, they had they had those conversations. They they touched on it, but it seems, and I think this is because, and I'm interested to hear where you want to go with this, Mario, because I think this is the one MCU movie where like the depth of of all the stuff that came before it really adds to like the really added to the experience of seeing it. So part of my problem with Endgame is that I hadn't seen all like the other. I hadn't seen at that point all the other Marvel movies because sure. I was really kind of borderline caring at that point and I still think I mean I still have different opinions on, than everybody like, I think the first Thor movie is complete and total garbage I actually think the first two Captain I, yeah, I remember I Captain, you saying like you think Winter Soldier is shit I think Winter Soldier is fucking a I think, joke I think but, Winter like, Soldier sucks from the standpoint of like hey guys Winter Soldier is going to show up it's like I just so oh Bucky's Winter's of course like the the whole reveal scene is played off. I don't even well, think it's so bad. bad. I just think it's the directing is so goofy. It's like the goofiest movie, and I, it's just it's just it's so like at the level and on the ground and trying to be like oh we're on the ground and this is new and it's like I've seen so many action films of the '90s do this movie better. Was right. my problem, right? Winter Soldier, and I, so and I, I think this I think this having all those different universes on top of each other and then going like kind of like you both said like correcting or like filling in the blanks that like ending those other runs mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. really added an emotional depth to it so my my biggest issue with this though um i we this is an origin story basically it's it's the culmination of an origin story that will lead into tom holland's new trilogy of being the spider-man we know 
I don't particularly think Tom Holland's the best Spider-Man, and he's not a terrible Spider-Man, but like after five, six movies of this guy, he's like the vanilla chai of Spider-Mans for me. Like he's just not doing anything. He's not carrying the weight. Like when Aunt May dies, I'm looking at this going like, ah. And I mean, this is still like some leftover anger after the fact that he kind of flopped with Cherry. Mm. Like, I'm seeing Andrew Garfield. Like, you bring in Andrew Garfield, and to a lesser extent for me, Tobey Maguire bringing this. But you see, like, fucking Andrew Garfield who destroys it. Like, Andrew Garfield, Defoe, and Molina, for me, are, like, the pinnacle of this. Yeah. Um, and to, like, then less, like, are the pinnacle, like, a motive kind of sense. Like, seeing those guys do this. And then seeing Charismatic over here with fucking somehow Benedict Cumberbatch for me being like kind of the most charismatic person. Oh, I thought he was terrible in this. Oh, I I don't know. But I don't think it's I don't think it's him. I think it's the the writing the character. for yeah. his yeah. Yeah. It was um, just kind of too it was too short, too truncated. My problem yeah. with this was when this movie ended, I was like, I don't want to see more Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I'm kind of I want to like move on from Tom Holland. This is where I would say though is that they're so this is kind of where we were asking who is this movie for for being the Ricardos and a little bit for Nightmare Alley and who knew that we were going to find a way to tie these together. <laughs> these movies, these movies are not for you. These yeah. movies are for like my daughter and her friends who okay. like love Tom Holland, like he's like the one actor that everybody can agree on. Because um, everyone's watching like a different TV show. Like my friends, my daughter's friends come over and they're not watching any of the TV shows that like my daughter is watching. Um, but who is watching Hawkeye and like thinks that Kate Bishop is like the king of the universe at this point? Um, between Yelena and Kate Bishop having a conversation, my daughter was just like, "This is too much. But that's that's this why, is too much. I gotta leave." That's why I find <laughs> interesting for me is like is like Haley Stanfield's working. Zendaya works here. Jacob uh, Batalon works here. Like everyone around Tom, like everyone that's younger Does and kind Tom of Holland brought up. Not work for you is like an actor. Does not work as Spider Man. He just there's not this level of being able to dig deep into the drama of or or the tragedy of a moment that he he just can't do. Like you didn't when feel Aunt May for it with the Aunt May scene, I, I felt it because of Marissa Tomei, but I didn't feel I don't feel as though. I didn't feel it from him. I didn't feel it from him to the level that I felt Andrew Garfield did. Oh, in, yeah. Sure. Um, I think you're right. To, Andrew Garfield did in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Or that Jeremy Renner did in Endgame. Like, I didn't feel... Well, like, yeah. there's this, like, real pathos. There's this real kind of digging deep in that Tom Holland just doesn't seem well, capable of the, doing. Well, the similarities between those two characters, Hawkeye in Endgame and uh, Andrew Garfield in this, are their hair is sticking straight up. So, I mean, <laughs> you may need to have sticking straight up hair to kind of get there. But no, I think you're right. I think that, I think, I, I really like Tom Holland as Spider-Man, but I think if you've noticed... I'm not criticizing. I don't think he's a bad Spider-Man. I just think he's, like, not the... No, but what, I think what it can, what if his you, role can be. If you notice that he's got uh, three spider, two extra Spider-Mans, and all the villains in this movie. In the last movie, he had Jake Gyllenhaal just doing Jake Gyllenhaal stuff, but also Samuel L. Jackson regularly, and that's where MJ and Ned really become like the triumvirate of those two people. They're right. those three people. They're always together in some like sense or another. Um, and then in the first movie, he had fucking Iron Man yeah. like in it. You know what but I mean? Even, so but he's it, never had to. He's they're never asking him to carry anything by himself. Yeah, but I, I guess I could compare this best with, like, Shamik Moore. 
in into the Spider Verse when um, Prowler dies mm. and he carries like that, like because this is still like it's animated like, though. It's animated, but like I'm saying, like vocal range of of digging into it. I don't. I've never seen Tom Holland be able to nail that, and I think Spider Man has to be this really flawed person who keeps at like regular level poor. Person has a lot of tribulations and dig into it, and Tom Holland just hasn't doesn't do that. Well, I don't think because I don't think he's like ever... he has that one great line in Infinity War. Like he does well in Infinity War, where he says like you know the entire I'm not feeling well or whatever, Mister Stark line. Like that's good. Um, like I don't want to go. Yeah, but that yeah. works, but like he hasn't hit that again, and I'm just like I don't know really, if I want to watch another really, trilogy. But of they're Tom not really Holland. asking him to, you know what I mean? Like he's still. I think the beauty of the Tom Holland beauty is maybe the wrong word. The interesting thing about the Tom Holland experience as Spider-Man experience is that like he's very green. So he's through three of these movies. Not that much time has passed. A lot of things have happened to him, and he's still very much figuring out like how to live and like how to be so his decisions always come off as very you know but the russo but the russo brothers did ask that of him in cherry and the russo brothers are the same directors of endgame but he didn't get and he he doesn't do shit in cherry and other people are doing shit in the avengers but he tries really hard to do stuff in cherry he doesn't hit it it. he never hits it no, but I, Cherry and don't Spider- see Cherry if you haven't. Cherry seen it. and Spider Man are dead. different are different kinds of movies, though. They are, yeah. So yeah, he's not hitting the existential sadness that comes with being like a veteran and a junkie, and you know, a bank robber, and you know, uh, a guy who got his girlfriend addicted to heroin and like all this other stuff. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff. He just has to kind of be like. Really, my aunt doesn't think I should kill these supervillains, so maybe I won't. And I didn't really like killing Jake Gyllenhaal, so I don't think I'm gonna kill anybody. And like that's yeah, he plays plays like yeah, like uh, he 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 wants to do good. But he 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 just keeps fucking up, right? He wants to do good. There's a there's a big there's there's a big like. He, the mannerisms, I guess, from movie to movie are all the same, right? So he has, like, a way of playing this movie. It's like people say, like, Anakin or uh, uh, Hayden Christensen was just like, yeah, he just, like, looked at what fucking Mark Hamill did in those movies and just kind of did that on a, like, different... Except worse. Except, like... I right, like, 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 <laughs> you, like, right, like, he, he's got the... He's got a way about him of being, like, this apologetic, like, awkward, like, I don't... I'm I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just yeah. like trying to do like I'm just you know I'm trying to do the best which works I can. extremely well. Um, but I I, and I, yeah, I don't know I don't I don't know how to. I feel as though like when, you know, he's kind of like betrayed by Beck, when he has that moment in the back seat with Vulture, when Stark dies in Endgame, and here when May dies. Like those are opportunities for Holland to do the work necessary, and I don't feel he's up to snuff. I guess I'm just wondering what you would want him to do differently. Yeah, I. Because I, I, like this, yeah. this kid's, this is a person. Like, when does he stop being this awkward kind of goofy teenager? Well, I think now. So that's the thing. We're gonna see what we didn't see with Tobey Maguire and with, because they just stole his third movie from him. Um, and I mean, he got to do one, but they ruined it. Yeah. Um, 
and with Andrew Garfield, like we're going to see that in the next trilogy. And I don't think the next trilogy is going to be. I doubt very much the next trilogy is going to be this kind of like these one-off like Ant-Man type movies where it's fun and then but the results don't really matter like all that much. I mean, the results in this one mattered, but they really just mattered to to him. I mean, yeah. you know, or to New York. And I feel really bad for New York because we got the trailer for Doctor Strange, um, Multiverse of Madness at the end, and Shuma Garath is apparently just going to destroy New York again. <laughs> so like the New York, not good things are happening for New York like very soon. Yeah, but the, the Doctor Strange yeah, I expected them to, yeah, to drop that else. Doctor Strange spot on YouTube or something like that but they at least when I last looked they still hadn't. I'm just like like yeah, it's the know. first in credit scene that's just a trailer, right? Well, because they're doing No, they, they technically did that for the Avengers at the end of Captain oh, America right. 1 where they were just like come see the Avengers right. next week they're, or whatever. Um, like they did really like extensive reshoots for Doctor Strange. Like, I think they're still in the process of yeah. doing it right now, right? So they're because Scott um, Dickerson did some of it. Or Scott Dickerson didn't do any of it. Oh, he did. He was going to do. Was, it they then. had like a conflict of interest, or because uh, he wanted to make it. He wanted to make it like a horror. Well, I, and I don't think Which he wanted it to be. Genius. I don't think he Smart. wanted it to be directly tied to the like the MCU thing either. And then what, the, he had to do the Wandavision thing, and he has to do this America Chavez thing. Um, so he has America Chavez so they're really slowly bringing in the Young Avengers into this thing with Yelena and Kate and um, Eli um, I might have to tap out at some point sure oh god yeah (laughs) well because so this is I'm not I'm I'm totally in for this whole thing like I've told you this so many times AEW is by Marvel (laughs) but this is where we're going now so you're going to have these you're going to have the classic you know, Iron Man's not coming back. Captain America's not coming back. I mean, Captain well, America is I, coming back, but like... Well, Iron, Amer- Iron, Iron Man Hulk. is also coming back. What? In the form of Iron Heart. Iron Heart, right. But like, Tony's not right. Yeah, 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 coming yeah, yeah. back. Yeah, sure. Is Moon Knight going to be a part of this big universe? Can I just watch Moon Knight by itself? Wait, well, well, I think that's who, a big question knows? for all the people who are just like, where the fuck does this guy fit in? I think Moon Knight's going to be British. Or he's Welsh or something. Oscar... Oh. Oscar Isaac in the in the uh, in the trailer is doing a Welsh yeah, accent. Does, yeah. So there's a, my know. theory is that he's going to be tied to this Black Knight blade thing, like that Captain doing. Britain thing. Something because they're, they're doing something with uh, Captain fucking Britain. Is that well? They're a bringing thing? they brought uh, what's her name back uh, after what if uh, the British Peggy. Peggy, yeah. yeah. I was trying to remember who played Peggy. Uh, oh. They brought her back for something yeah. recently that they were planning on doing something with her. I so, yeah, so Captain Carter? Captain Carter, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my feeling is that the Eternals, you know, the, the the stinger on the Eternals sets up this Blade, Black Knight, London Haley thing Apple. that's going to happen. Haley Apple. Um, which is going to be attached to, I think, probably Moon Knight in some way. You're going to have a Young Avengers slash Thunderbolt thing happening. I don't think it'll be Thunderbolt. Yep. I think it'll be Young Avengers. You'll have the classic Avengers, Spider-Man, Cap- like Sam is Captain America, um, Ms. Marvel's coming. So Captain Marvel's out, and you're going to have either um, Monica will take up the you Captain. Do you think she's out, out, or do you think she just goes to, like, help the fucking Eternals? Well, because there's a Cosmos thing, I think Brie right? Larson's, I think Brie Larson's out. And I think Monica Rambeau takes over the Captain Marvel mantle. Okay, sure, sure. In some capacity, so they're but they're really streamlining this thing. They're going to have a bunch of not streamlining it, but they're they're taking what seems really <laughs> creating dis- a web of 
nonsense. But they're gonna they're creating a web of nonsense that's gonna be <laughs> focused into these groups. Into sure, these yeah, groups yeah. that essentially will meet in the next endgame thing, which I think after Secret Invasion will end up being a Secret Wars type thing that will end with a strange um Doctor Doom type of Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom like they did in the Hickman comics coming together and that's where you get the your Fantastic Fours and all this the, other stuff. I mean the, uh, and John Watts is directing Fantastic Four. Right, and they're going yes. to gonna need... You have to have Reed Richards for Secret Wars, because he's a big part of the Secret Wars. Right, it's too is, much. Is Across the Spider-Verse going to be a part of this, or can I watch that in peace? It will. No, it will be a 100% a part of this, because the end of You're these two... You're talking about the, the new animated one. Yeah, because yeah. the end game of that will be Miles comes into... The MCU. No, the, I don't think you, the, you need the, the, was, the animated movies for that. Why was though. Tom Hardy? Because they've already set up him to exist. Why was Tom Hardy? They've already set up Miles Morales to exist in the MCU. Right. right? Um, with uh, Donald Glover as uh, Prowler, right? Basically, right. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, and then Electro kind of be like, oh, I kind of hoped you were black, right? Like. He would. They've set up like somewhere him, there's a black Spider-Man. Somewhere there's a black Spider-Man, and he's gonna be here at some point. Right? right. It just. I think it's it's too good, not for us, but for like Disney and Sony to not be like. I mean, I mean, when Miles gets his comic book cover and in, in into the Spider Verse or or whatever it's called. What is it? Yeah, in, in the Spider Verse. I, I tear up at that moment. Oh, it's one of the great. Oh, it, it's one of the great well, movies. The Spider Verse is still the best Spider Man movie. Yeah, absolutely. Easily. It's the in the top. Like this is probably my second favorite live action one, just because it's fun and brings a lot together. But Into the Spider Verse is like still leagues for me sure. above this. Sure. Why is Eddie Brock's like Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock brought over? He doesn't know just who the... to drop some symbiote in right. the so, MCU. Okay. So that that bothered me because he doesn't know who the fuck Spider Man is. No, he does. But that's he does. He... Well, they, that, well, they just kind of did it. They kind of like set up like basically Venom to be the all knowing like multiverse yeah, so, crossover so, guy. So but, does and... Venom does Venom the symbiote suit know that? Because he says like I know in the end of Venom, let there be carnage. carnage. He says, like, blah, 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 I know so many things. So I'm guessing we're, we're supposed to say that the symbiote suit knew that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I guess that's I guess the easy way the, out. And, the, and then, like, the, you know, the harder he way out, scream, like, oh, yeah. Like, the I harder know way out is having Topher Grace pop up in the movie. No, they would never do that. That was a mistake. <laughs> but I think the interesting thing about that stinger is that clearly Tom Hardy is not going to be in the MCU. Right, and there's and, and, right, a and there's different so, Venom character. Right, and in there's the a MCU. lot of right, and there's a lot of weird things. Like, isn't Venom part of whatever Spider-Man package that they sold to Sony way back when? Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you paper over all those right. things, right? A- except to have like I mean, know, Kevin Feige in the head at I forget her name, Amy at, Pascal. At, Amy Pascal yeah. at, Sony? Yeah. yeah. Why the fuck do I know that? That's weird. Because it says um, Pascal Pictures at the beginning and end of the movie. Right. right. Like, they keep, they're always like, yeah, we're friends. We're all friends. You know, like, yeah. like that was the big thing on, on uh, Monday was like, yeah, we're all friends. Like, we're still making Spider-Man movies. Don't, well, like, don't worry. Well, I guess, I guess the continuation <laughs> thing was like, Strange got borrowed into a Sony movie. And so, like, they'll probably like, yeah, you can have oh, a Venom. Oh, they do that? Well, yeah, because this is a Sony film. Iron Man and, got borrowed into a Sony movie, oh, too. But yeah. in reality, I mean, ev- not everyone knows that in reality, Spider-Man got borrowed into the into the MCU. Yeah, right? and so, like, 
I think it's gonna be like the handshake deal of like, hey, like you guys get to keep making your Venom films. Um, they didn't we get to put Morbius. like right. of our own Venom. They don't want to cross. They didn't want to cross over. Oh, right. Morbius is still in the Sony. World. Morbius is gonna be in the Venomverse. Craven's gonna be in the Venomverse. I mean, so they got, you got Vulture. Like you got MCU Vulture right. in the Sonyverse. And so that and so Vulture will oh stay God. in the. In that's the Venomverse. Just corporations sucking each other's dicks. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> Two a Japanese billionaire and American billionaires just sucking each other's cocks. I bet it feels good. Nice. Yeah. Seems like they and enjoy it. All, and we give them their money. I didn't give them that much money. No, not that much. Oh, but if they continue to postpone student loan debt, like they'll probably get no, more money. I don't think Joe Manchin's going to go for that. Yeah, Joe Manchin ain't, ain't about right. that in life. That'll be a whatchamacallit thing. That'll be a Biden thing. Oh, like an uh, executive Joe, order? Joe Manchin's No, he's there. It's going to happen. He's already said, like, right I'm now. announcing tomorrow what I'm going to do with it because of Omicron. So <laughs> Omicron's so terrible that... You can have some more forgiveness for your student loans. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is. A Did you like one. it? No, I loved it. I but I loved it because I was in a theater of. That's the thing. And going back to the COVID thing, yes. I loved it because I was in a Charlie theater. Charlie Cox is here. Yeah. Oh yeah, right, I fucking like, lost my mind because Charlie Cox is fucking awesome, and Daredevil is I'm a by good Daredevil is by far. Of across the entire MCU world, the thing I like the most, mm-hmm. and I stopped at season. There was a season three. I didn't watch season three, but I like the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it more so because of the experience. Experience, yeah. I think, if I had seen this in I think by that's myself, why I called it the end game of right. It's yeah. it's the you get all the callbacks, you get all the fucking you it's, know like yeah. all the payoff, all the you know fan service and all that shit. That's what this was for Spider-Man, right? Yeah. In, I mean, in this a, is in a big way. something to see in theaters if you're not an MCU person but miss an experience and are comfortable with it. Um, because, like, I'm not a big... Like, I watch the movies, but, like, I'm getting tired of them. But, like, I had so much fun with this because the people I was in the theater with are not tired of them. And right. when they lost their shit, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, there, it's, it, it was an energy. There was like a real energy. Like I said, I don't see these anymore as movie like films to review. No, I see no, them no. as big like concerts and events and right. like not to discredit like what's being done because like a perfect, perfectly served like well made blockbuster film. There, John Watt knows what he's doing, but like the energy by which these films generate in a theater is worth it. And that's where I am in comparison. In comparison to where I was when we watched Endgame, which was. As soon as they announced Time Travel, I was like, fuck this movie. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm out. And then so when everyone was cheering at the end, I was just like, what? What is it? Because like, we can't travel. Time travel. <laughs> fuck it. And now I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't care. Like, I don't really care about time travel and just making shit up. Because, like, it's not about that at it's all. It's not water for elephants. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not about any of those things. It's about... Uh, it's, it's not the help. It's, it's just, just. It's just. Well, the know, help is the, the, help, is, the help is actually more ridiculous than time travel in that game. <laughs> um, yeah, but we're not coming here to learn a lesson necessarily about no, like, oh, we always, should all just feel shitty about how like the past was. And I don't always want to learn a lesson. I just don't. What I didn't want for like this big, because I thought Endgame started amazingly. What I didn't want was for Paul Rudd to show up and be like. I've been thinking about something for a long... When I was in there, I was thinking about something. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you were 
You were really. You were thinking. He's also about in there something. for like ten hours, right? Five. Or oh, yeah. He's like in five hours. You like were just really thinking hard about like how to use this for time travel. I've been thinking about this. Thing. And this Ant Man character, who's you know this uh, uh, Scott Lang, Scott Lang character, yeah. who's been like presented as just a guy who's kind of going with it, would really think about this. But I was like, you know what? I yeah, and that's the same thing. I, I thought the same thing. Like. You're kind of where I was three years ago, where I was like, ah, "This is stupid," and then people just started losing their shit, and I was like, "You know what? He's, he's I'm wrong here." I guess still an electrical engineer, and he comes back, and his his uh, daughter is like five years older, and like, a different right? like, but it's living in the same house. <laughs> again, and that's, and that's where, like in Nightmare Alley, I have problems with some of the narrative inconsistencies. And these movies are all narrative inconsistencies, and like the idea is not to really care about them. The idea is to just go to a theater and watch them. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really super looking forward to watching Spider Man again in my house whenever it gets. Oh, because it's never going to get to Disney Plus, so I'm not super interested in paying twenty dollars to rent Spider Man to watch it again in my house. You know, um, Shang Chi and Black Widow seemed small enough where that made a lot of sense to kind of like watch. Apparently, there's house. been talk though with Sony about putting the, those movies on um, Disney Plus. Oh, really? Okay. I'm sure they'll just throw, just so, yeah. have to throw a shit ton of once money. They're, but... Once they're on there, like, I'm sure, you know, we'll watch them. But, like, it's not going to be, even my son said, he's like, they're, it's very intense. It doesn't seem like something I want to see without like, I, a I lot mean, of people around. And I was well, just kind I, of like, I, well, yeah, I'm, I feel like the same way. I suggested, uh, my one of my friends uh, also has kids and was like, should I go see Spider-Man? I was like, I don't know if you should because, like, some of those fight scenes and stuff get really kind of, like, brutal and like the whole showdown with Green Goblin at the end is really like that's like pretty it wasn't really graphic but it was like awesome. I'm gonna kill you man cause fuck you and like I don't I don't know how an 8 year old would, would really parse that, that that situation yeah my oldest didn't care because she understands like the nature of those things but my and my youngest didn't care he's um, 8 and he didn't care but he um Definitely doesn't want to be the feeling that I felt watching Batman, like the first Michael Keaton Batman, which is just kind of like, oh, Joker seems weird. Pretty wacky. I'm not old enough, I don't think, to handle whatever Joker is doing. I think my parents might have did a bad job of raising. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my dad took us to see. My dad took me to see the first Batman. He, you know, because I was. Probably my son's age when it came out, and I was just kind of like, you know, it, it felt very intense and like gassing people to death, and like they die with the smiles on their faces, and even like defacing art in that brutalist like art museum that Tim Burton had concocted. I was just like, to Jesus, Prince. to Prince, I was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, obviously, I didn't see Jesus Christ, but it's like, like I was kind of like overwhelmed you said, by holy shit, motherfucker, what's going on? God fucking damn it, Dad! What did you do to me? But I remember start chain smoking Philip Morris. Oh, I remember feeling um, yeah, nice callback to being the artist. <laughs> I remember feeling just like this is really like a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I have to assume that like watching Willem Dafoe laugh when he's getting punched in the face over and over and over again by Spider-Man is he's probably just like, Jesus, like that's, <laughs> that's a weird reaction to being I, punched in the face. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like it's like I don't connect <laughs> to like any of that. Just from my experiences with it's kind of interesting to see like once again, like the film experience people can have throughout like growing up. Like 
Like I said, at six, my, I the, saw the, Halloween. The most brutal movie I um, I saw when I was a kid was the Santa Claus when Tim Allen murdered Santa Claus. Oh yeah, that's, that's <laughs> rough. We, I think the the closest movie theater to my home growing up was probably an hour or an hour and a half away. So, like, movies weren't a thing. It was like I don't know. We I got this VHS. Do you want to watch it? I got it for Christmas. It's In the Santa Claus. <laughs> right? Well, no. Like, I, so I've told the story in the podcast before. My mom. After I turned six for Halloween, said like, "Oh, I think you're old enough to watch this movie," and it was Halloween. <laughs> and it didn't scare me. Like it just didn't. It just I had fun with it because she's like, "Oh, it's fake." And... Yeah, I had fun. <laughs> no, because I, I understood it was like fake and whatnot, but um, like I I never had that experience of like. Of these small of bat, I always saw Batman like Returns is the big one I remember. 